0: I miss you. What's good, internet? It is Friday, August 9th, twenty nineteen, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode two fifty four. I'm your host, Austin Walker, back in the saddle, back in New York, back from Indianapolis. It's not that far. I thought it was. Uh, that is like the shortest flight I've been on in a long time. What an hour? I'd say a little over that. Okay. But I went to Toronto and then I went to Indianapolis, and it's completely changed like my the, my collective vision of airfare, like air travel, Hmm. because I do so much, so much of my air travel is just uh, uh, New York to LA, LA to New York, one one coast coast to another coast, or to to Seattle or
1: whatever. Okay, yeah.
0: For Paxton, it's like, wow, no, you could be on a plane for like 90 minutes and go pretty (laughs) far, it turns out. Uh, Joining me today, someone who I hoped to see this past weekend, but didn't get a chance to because we were putting up like firewalls around our lives instead of having- Fun?
2: Austin. Uh, sure, yeah. Let's use the explanations instead of like, and uh, uh, I floated to my wife like, so what if you, <laughs> me, and our three-year-old drive like three and a half hours to mm-hmm. like Indianapolis and go hang out at like a board game convention for a couple of days? What do <laughs> you, you think?
0: Be, it Hit would be great. Me. Honestly. Hit me. I think. I think Jessica would have loved all the costumes. There's like a cosplay True. day that's really amazing, and I think she would have been really, she would have really enjoyed yeah. it. You wouldn't even have to get a ticket to the show because you can just walk around the convention center oh, that's nice. without going into any of the expo halls without a badge, and, and that's where people hang out in their cosplay. Unless you are this one motherfucker Uh-oh. who, all right. Call Rob's, out. Yeah, call out. Rob Zachney, Daniel Riendo, Hi. also here. Welcome. Rob, have you been to a Gen Con before?
3: Uh, no, it always sounds, I almost went one Do year Do they let Blue uh,
2: Lions schedule. in
0: a Gen
1: Con?
3: No, they don't let Blue Lions
1: Uh-oh. in. But but
3: I know Rob wasn't always a Blue
0: Lion, so I, I think this that, like. This is recent, yeah. This is recent, yeah. so up until this one, I think he would have been
3: allowed in. No, I've been identified as a deviationist, and uh, oh. indeed, I can't I can't go to Gen Con, or I will be taken into custody and executed after a brief show trial. Well, like,
0: And I know who <laughs> would take you into custody, and this is my problem. So the Gen Con show floor is packed, like, on the weekend especially. So it runs from, when, Gen Con's a big board game, yeah. tabletop RPG, wargaming convention, it's been running for over 50 years. It's huge.
1: Five-zero?
0: Five-zero years. I Ooh. mean, it started as just, like, some people buy a lake. Playing D&D. Sure. like uh, Just uh and how PAX grown... started,
1: sort of. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, instead of a lake, it was like a mall food court. Right, exactly. Yes, I understand. It's grown
0: in a similar way and has continued yeah. to grow. Uh, tabletop games are huge, both board games and RPGs. And, and even, even war games are in a pretty healthy space in terms of, like, there being a lot of them, apparently, <laughs> as I walked around that show floor. Uh, but that show floor is packed. Like, it is, I think it was like 90,000 people attended. Ooh. Uh, and like it's it's a big space, but it's not that big. But one guy, not one guy, one group of people were had a big like medieval wagon, like the sort that you would drive to the front of Rob's home to capture him for being a deviationist right. blue lion, right. and arrest him and bring him to the to the the king to be tried and, and executed. total warlock. Yeah. Uh uh-huh, oh, Yeah. Absolutely. Good. Uh, and, and they're just like riding this thing, like pulling this thing through the convention like main thoroughfare
3: with like does it have a power source that is moving it or no. is it just like dude's they were pulling hauling
1: it,
0: it. there were two people hauling like,
3: it and like then human oxen
0: like human oxen and then the people on it were playing instruments as if to say look at us the assholes that are making it harder for you
3: to get to your appointment
0: Hell, isn't this the start
3: yeah. of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead
0: yes <laughs> yes god uh but anyway, Indianapolis was nice. Thank you to people who came. I did a Friends of the Table live show, and it turns out there's a lot of overlap between Friends of the Table fans and Waypoint fans because everyone who showed up came up and said, "Hey, thank you so much for Friends of the Table and also for Waypoint. Aww. Please send Danielle, Rob, Patrick, also Cato, who is who is off this week having a well earned vacation, yes. uh, and also to all past members of the Waypoint family: Natalie, Danica, Joel, Mike. Uh, everyone from every every angle, the the thank you, the thanks for, for making Waypoint. And so I'm passing Aww. that on to y'all. And also, I'm going to pass it on to y'all, the listeners, who also helped us make Waypoint over the Aww. last few years. Um, I get to play some board games there, but I, it sounds like we need to get into some... It sounds like some shit went down while I was gone. Do we want still-
2: to no, start there? Do we want to start like bad and then work our way to good, or start good and work our way to bad? What's bad? Well... <laughs> um, like because
0: I could. I'm, all right, let me tell you. Awesome <laughs> looks
3: at a bunch of personal information being leaked online. I yeah. don't see the problem.
0: Uh huh. Yeah, what? Do, I mean, but what do you that got to bad, hide? Or is
3: just we get closer to the gamers? <laughs>
2: oh, God. Do we want to start there? ESA, to...
3: making connections, breaking Sounds down like, yeah, the yeah, I guess
2: we might. Let's yeah, let's let yeah, let's let's wipe clean with, with that radical transpa-
0: radical transparency. Radical transparency is I got a message on. What day was that was that Friday from you, Patrick? it was mm-hmm. it was Friday that was like like the sound of of breath being sucked oh. through teeth because you were like oh i can you could tell we could I think everyone in the chat could tell shit was about to go down mm-hmm. and I could feel you doing everything in your power to like stop it
2: yeah, so I've not really talked about this, so the top line Do you, I, is for, uh, real, that, like time out yeah we don't don't talk know about it but what? If you don't want to yeah, talk no, about I, that part would, of the story. We can. We can. Okay. At, at this point, this is... I, I'd, Should I'm not we? Gonna, I,
3: what? I'm like, uh, like, personally, I was inclined to not talk about this part yeah, this is, I'm not this sure I want to give this aspect of
2: it more oxygen. I will talk in, in in vague parts about it in the part that I specifically want to call out in, in, relative to a reporter who I think is doing this part of it very responsibly in the aftermath of this. Anyway, Sorry. the top line of this is that the ESA... Um, the Entertainment Software Association, who has always, or at least historically, run uh, E3, mm. I think that's always been the case since the beginning. But I don't, I don't know, like day one, if that was true. But it, either way, they're, they're the organization that has run uh, E3 in modern times. Uh, they, on a like about a like help page, there was just a link that you could click on that would download the information of 2,000 plus uh, registered media. Um, it was seemed to be just from a certain day or something like that because not everyone that went T3 was on there. I don't know how exactly when that was like the cutoff was, but a lot of people, uh, including myself, uh, had like deeply personal information exposed as a result of uh, that being up. Um, so like top level, the blame is on the ESA for having that stuff a click away that is not password protected. They have said since that it was on a website that was password protected, but you know it should be password protected is the document. Yeah. <laughs> um, and stop. Uh, And since then, uh, there have been uh, reports. Uh, uh, I think Mike Futter has been the one who's been following this like the most closely um, of d- uh, lots of other years in which information, not widespread, but accessible um, and has been uh, at least, uh, you could download it if you knew how to access it. Um, um, It is not as widespread as this most recent leak that made it to all sorts of the worst corners of the internet. But nonetheless, there are all, you know, at this point, you know, a handful of years in which a vast majority uh, or a good chunk of people who are registered using a, uh, you know, people using company addresses, home addresses, personal information because people are freelancers, people are contractors, people are yeah. full-time employees, people are work-from-home employees at different places. Um, without getting into the the like, nitty-gritty of... I was on the ground floor of this. I, was, I will say uh, I was involved in talking to the person who initially sort of disclosed this. My interactions with them were uh, g- getting in touch with the ESA immediately and telling them mm-hmm. to take a piece of information down Uh, they did. Um, They did not remove from the server and so when a piece, uh, when this original uh, piece on this went live, within seconds someone pointed out actually you can still download it from the server. I then texted the ESA and said, yo, that file's still there Um, and then they subsequently took it down but at that point the damage uh, uh, was done Um, and it had already circulated in in all sorts of terrible places. Since then, uh, you know, Mike Futter who's been one of the, you know, the, the, Lots of people been covering this, but he's been sort of like doing a lot of the follow-up on these subsequent leaks. Um, the way he has handled this, which was the way I was trying to handle this, was uh, to make sure the information is contained. When you are a reporter that is dealing with sensitive information, um, well, one, you don't have to publish anything. But the, the, the fact that 2,000-plus personal information has been publicly available through a click – that's a news story. It is. Like, as uncomfortable as that makes me, given that uh, my own personal exposure, like, it is it is a news story um, that that was happening. That said, uh, it is then your choice when to publicize that information, when to make it uh, widespread, and it is your your responsibility as a reporter to be responsible with the information that you have to try and contain the damage of what you're going to do. Um, what I wish would have happened was that it was confirmed that it was a file taken down from the server. The website was taken down. You investigated how accessible it was through archiving services. Um, once you've determined that, you would have done a giant BCC email that told every single person on that list, "I have discovered this list. You know, I'm going to give everyone a couple of days, 72 hours, to lock your stuff down, do what you need to do, invest in cameras or credit services, like whatever you, you feel is going to make you comfortable." This is a big enough story that it needs to be disclosed that this occurred. But I've taken X, Y, and Z steps to try and minimize the damage and exposure. And you should take whatever steps are you feel are appropriate uh, for yourself in order to make yourself feel comfortable given this lapse in security. None of that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, instead, it was publicized. sized. Lots of people downloaded it. I spent the weekend getting like harassing voicemails yeah. and. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Like waking up and being like, why do I have 75 missed calls? It's like That's overnight. interesting. Yeah. Ugh. Weird. Um, and they're and they're, you know, all people using anonymized uh, ways of masking their their information. So there's 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 no way to to do anything about it. I've had that cell phone number since I was 14. Oh, I intend wow. to wait you out. I refuse to give up that number. (laughs) My number has been leaked in the past, and I survived this. I will survive this as well. Um, But yeah, like what Mike has done in the in the interning moments is like when he's discovered there's been a a subsequent leak, which is showing a a vast incompetence on the part of the ESA in terms of doing their just basic due diligence. For the people that entrust them with information that they don't even really need. Right. Yeah. Like right. a cell phone number. You also have to scan your driver's license, like, like when you yeah. when you uh register with the 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 with E3 originally. Like they ask for a lot of information with, that you're just sort of entrusting. Including a business
0: card. To, including a business yeah. card, yeah. <laughs> but I mean this speaks to like for me one one of the larger <laughs> takeaways here, which is not to sidestep or, or push away the stuff that you're talking about in terms sure. of what responsible <laughs> reporting looks like. But like for me, going forward, especially when I'm talking to freelancers. And new (laughs) young, young members of Mm -hmm. like game journalism who, you know, are not necessarily in positions where they have an office to work out of right. when they have to give their home address or whatever. But it's specifically like the idea or of – have like to you, pay for a P.O. box. Or have to pay, for, like have to pay not, for a P.O. box. which It's, they, not,
2: it's not expensive, but it's but not, not, not nothing. But it's, it's not nothing.
0: It's not nothing. Especially
1: I've, if you're a freelancer. I've
0: been a freelancer. I'm paying it for a not, P.O. box
2: now. Right. The ironic part is I got a P.O. box yeah. so I could do postcards for my Mario Maker streams. Oh. And then immediately I buy –
0: yep. Aww. so the the thing is that like for them, it's like, well, do I want to advise them to send like a scan of their driver's license or government ID to an agency that has proved or an agency, but to a company that has proved they cannot right. protect will not protect your data? Like, ah, uh, mm, not really. I don't want to advise that,
1: right.
2: Um and it it balanced it, against an event that however flawed it is, however, in going down in flames as it is remains like an important networking mm-hmm. uh, event to new, be a yeah. part of my career does not exist without E3 i, I think now granted career tracks have changed you can do a lot without going to a thing like E3 totally, these totally. days um but i also understand the tension that will remain and exist for folks that it's 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 a chance to write for outlets that are look they're hungry for like other like there there is a reason for lots of people to still think I should attend E3 because it could help me establish myself and my career, and you are now having to balance that against, but what does that mean for my personal safety? And that only ramps up based on, like, what is your likelihood of being targeted? Like, I am high profile, right? but also having talked to uh, various, you know, women, people of color, uh, different minorities, like, they got targeted more than me despite the fact that I have way more followers (laughs) than -hmm. them. And so – the The level of exposure or the reason for harassment is going to vary based on who you are. And the, quite often, it does not necessarily track with popularity. It tracks with identities that people want to attack for ideological reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: exactly that. I mean,
2: I, I, to speak to your
0: point on like – Hey, E3 is so important as, like, as someone who's trying to get into the industry. I was – even for someone like me who is pri- primarily writing as a critic the first time I went to E3, like the connections I made there, the relationships I made there, the doors that would open for both reporting, preview work, and critical work were huge. Like mm-hmm. I don't know that Waypoint happens if I happen to not go to E3 with I and Mom that first year. Because it puts into place a lot of the, the relationships that would go on to give me a really good year there, that would go on to impress people advice, that would go on to open this door, right? right. Um, and so that is a, a weird, like, personal example, but it's like if I go back in time and tell that Austin, okay – that's that's on the table, but also this is a company that is not going to protect your data. And as Mike Futter, uh, F-U-T-T-E-R, Mike Futter, Mike Futter's mm-hmm. reporting has shown, has a history of not doing this, which is like the one of the key takeaways right. from the ongoing reporting. is like this is not one time they messed up this past year. It's like, like we a, live in a
2: world where we generally just have to assume your information will get out there, but it's – it's the it's – the, now it is the the nature, the duration of that exposure, like the right. incompetence across so many years, the lack of disclosure. Or rather, what's what's scarier, it's not that they didn't disclose it. It's that they didn't know they had to disclose it because they didn't know it was accessible, right? right? Like they're like, – <laughs> it's one thing to have like something leaked, something uh, sensitive data accessible. You didn't know about it and then you got to disclose it after the fact. It's bad. That is definitely capital B bad. But in some ways, it's, like, it's, like, so much more disconcerting that, like, what does it say that all this stuff in various other years was also exposed, also accessible, and they had no idea until people started just mildly scratching at it. Right, right.
0: My question ends up being just, like, or well not my question, but, you know, I think one of the things I want to underscore is I've definitely seen responses, which is, like, okay, but, like, it's just a little harassment. Like, that, oh that response is out there. It's just people trolling you. And, like, one, fuck off. To it's just, it's
2: just the house that like my daughter and my wife yeah. didn't ask for any of this you know go to sleep in right it's just it's just me going I'm spending hundreds of dollars on security cameras so that every time like a notification goes off I can wonder like well maybe it's just someone screwing with me maybe they're just driving by like I don't know like is anything gonna happen like probably not right but we, like the, but in the world is meaningfully higher right and we like the world we live in means that it's not something you can just cross off as a possibility. And the moment that it exists as a possibility is the moment that, like, it invades your whole psyche.
0: And we live in a world where swatting has le- led say, to death, the, right?
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and and we, frankly, live in a world where having just a little more information means that someone can figure out the one place you don't have two-factor set up or can, ver- can get someone on a phone through uh, social um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Why am I blanking? Oh, uh, uh, so,
2: not social engineering. Social, social engineering, right? through social
0: engineering, yeah. to divulge information that would give them access to some account somewhere, right? Like or they that, can hurt
1: your parents. I or remember they, when right. I was doxxed at Polygon, when, when that happened during Gamergate, like, my parents were getting right lots of harassment. Right. And it's like, your family is then exposed to things. It's like, maybe my, you know, 68-year-old parents don't know certain security measures right. or something, right? Like. Totally, yeah, it, it opens up. An if someone calls world. them
2: and it says their computer's hacked, they might believe them, which right. is something something my mom calls me about right. on a monthly basis.
1: <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> totally. So like fucking poorly done ESA, just garbage. Just I, I don't know where this leaves us. Looking at the future of e three, we already didn't know where we were looking at for the future of e three. Uh, I suspect there will be some legal action both from private individuals or at a class action level, but also potentially, like, this is, there are, in other countries, <laughs> in other parts of the world, there are laws uh, that require uh, companies to be uh, responsible with the uh, data, with private data, and I'm very curious to see how uh, the ESA inter- interacts with those laws, or the ways in which, are they, are they somehow insulated from them because they're an American group? We'll see. I'm not sure. Um any other final thoughts on this or can we go to break and then talk about some games we've played?
2: Uh so the last thing uh I'll say is well one, Rob wrote a great piece. Yes. Uh building on this. Um Rob, do you like before I give my final thought, which is about discussing swatting with police, do you wanna like <laughs> like right. do you wanna set up that piece a little bit for because for, it's a it was a really great thing that you ran on, on Monday.
3: Yeah, I mean my reaction to it basically The thing that I was dwelling on over the weekend is that this seemed like such an ESA fuck up. (laughs) Like, this seemed so uh, archetypal of kind of just the general direction we've seen the ESA go and the direction of E3. And it really drove home the degree to which that ESA has kind of adopted a minimum input, maximum outcome. Approach to E3 for a number of years, uh, which has meant doing a lot, like doing a lot of things that don't really react to how games media has changed. E3 feels like a relic in large part because of the people running it, uh, and, and maybe this is maybe this is what sort of changed my mind a little bit on this. I used to think the landscape just shifted and E3 couldn't really change with it. This sort of drove home the degree to which the ESA may just not give a shit, right? Like. Adapting is hard, Uh, like reacting to how the games media landscape in particular has changed, the way games media's relationship to uh, different segments of its its audience has changed. All these things are challenging and require reflection and planning and reaction. ESA hasn't really reacted to any of this. Their reactions that we've seen have been enormously lazy and half-assed, like opening E3 to the public without doing anything to make it a public-facing show. Yeah, uh, And the fact that this list was out there really underscored the degree to which this is all just set up for the convenience of people showing games and PR firms making appointments of this. All of this is set up for their convenience, for it to give value to them. And increasingly that value isn't our coverage. Like this is the problem with E3 is the type of media outcomes that E3 generates, they are not what they were in 2003, 2004. Mm -hmm. You don't have as many people, you don't have as many games, you don't have as many retail outlets staking their entire purchasing decisions for the year uh, on this one show. And you don't have people clicking through these like – thirsting after these huge E3 roundups to find out what's happening in the game industry. So what's left is the fact that, well, you have a lot of reporters and you have their information. You can make them give you their information and then you can turn around and give that to marketing types. Right. And that's the value. That is, that is the thing that is still useful currency uh, in marketing and PR circles is this ability to directly target and speak to uh, journalists. And that's, you know, that's, that's the way things are moving. And who knows, who knows how long that'll even be the status quo. Uh, But the way this was all handled with ah fuck it, you know, that form we made everyone fill out, we, how about we just take the data from that form, export it to an Excel, an Excel spreadsheet Mm -hmm. and just post it online. And Hey, don't hassle yourself with a password. Just click the link. It'll download automatically. That is extremely ESA at this (laughs) point in time. And it also just kind of feels of a piece with the way this is an organization that used to serve a purpose, uh, that used to kind of have a mission statement, just like E3 used to have a clear mission and purpose. And in the face of all those changes, the ESA has kind of either picked the wrong fights or it's just hidden from the shifting realities entirely. And I think that's kind of what we've seen here is the fact that this is an organization that uh, not only hasn't adapted, but on some level doesn't want to and doesn't care. Yeah.
0: I. It is funny you talk about that. Um, I, I Two things come to mind. The first is... Thinking about the ways in which different companies have adjusted and changed what their e- what E three looks like, um, inside of that structure, and how their strategies reflect what you're saying about our coverage not being the value anymore. Um, you know, I think I think. There are exa- there are examples that go against this. I think about last year, not this, not uh, twenty nineteen, twenty eighteen, E three. I think about like our day one coverage of Cyberpunk, where Patrick and I came back glowing. This is obviously before a million things that happened right. for with, with regards to that game. Your but religious just
1: experience of that of very that of that thing. first
0: thing. Yeah. And that was unique because that was the rare closed-door demo that we knew video would not get out for. Video did not come out for six weeks, eight weeks, until uh, until uh, Gamescom, rather. Um, and uh, in that one case, there was, like, the old model was still there, right? The old model of press sees something. Only press and influencers have access to this thing, and then they relate that experience. But by and large, that is that is the outlier. Contrast that with this year where, like, I literally walked out of an Outer Wilds – <laughs> I did it. I did did it. it. Outer Worlds (laughs) demo. uh, And into uh, the press press room where people on stage were doing the Outer Worlds demo that I had just seen. And it was like, well, cool. Like, I mean, I got a cool interview out of it. I'm happy to have done that. But, like, cool. That's not really – that was not – why am I here? What what is my right. value? To, what is the value I'm bringing to this? I mean, even thinking about Cyberpunk, what was the big takeaway from Cyberpunk this year that hit a mass audience? It wasn't us. It wasn't us talking about the demo or about any of the controversy that came up, the transphobia, all that stuff. The big thing that hit was oh, Keanu Reeves showed up. Keanu Reeves was there, <laughs> right. and that is a much better value add for them than dealing with us in any way. The other thing it brings to mind is, of course, like the classic. Uh, aphorism about television that which is or about advertising in general which is like if there's no price then you're the product right that like if if uh, which is a thing that came out of the out of like early kind of um 1970s yeah. you know uh, conversations around what te- how television worked and the recognition that the audience is actually the product being sold and that's being sold to advertisers and like this is one of the things that you touch on here in in your piece rob which is like oh the data the the goal isn't get give people access to us the press at the event the new goal is like here is a bunch of people who you can hit with your with your marketing emails year round who you know are going to be able to be tuned in on those moments when it's time for you to start pulling on the wires and sending things out and getting attention when there isn't a big show around it like when if you're gonna go if you're a, a mid-tier publisher and you want to promote your game well like guess what here is an email list for you to hit for all that shit for the rest of your year. And that is like not nothing. I think you're totally right there.
3: Well, and the other thing I'd say to that is it's still a really bad value proposition because (laughs) most of your big PR firms know that it would be wildly counterproductive to actually use this information. Like I have never gotten a call from any major PR firm out of the blue about PR coverage. Hasn't happened. Um, I have gotten calls from smaller outfits, yes. people trying to break in. I've had things show up just randomly in the mail without notification yep. mm-hmm. from smaller from smaller outfits. So even here, the ESA isn't chasing smart money. They're not like the, the companies that like we're all familiar with working with already have a lot of our info. And more importantly, they generally have a good idea of how to use it to good effect and what is absolutely positively not the way to use that information. The people who would get something out of a list like the ESA just like left on their website are people like it's kind of going to be your garbage tier uh marketing outfits. It's going to be people who really don't know what they're doing and <clears throat> certainly don't know how to market effectively or responsibly. Right. And so even even there it's it's not just like Oh yeah, well, this is the publishers and the, the big PR firms want this information. They already kind of have it. They have more than they have the or information. Or could they get need. it
0: right. Like right. if right. if Evolve wants to know where to send something, they reach out. If uh, you know whoever would, you know if if Nintendo's PR company if Golan wants to reach out to us, they do that. It's not they, a big yeah. You, you know, they know where to go. Totally. Um,
1: this list basically was the you know what Kenshia Hall used to be. Yeah, well, like, <laughs> that's absolutely
0: true, right? Like, the stuff that does come, the Frankly. cold calls that have come, the emails that come from people I've never heard of before and are not, like, nice, polite emails. Because we do get those. We do get polite emails from people yeah, being like, hey, course. I'm representing this game. I found your e- your email on the site. Blah, blah, blah. Like, that stuff is totally. Yeah. But the, the like, a package shows up at the office and it's a thing you've never heard of is 100% old Kensha Hall. Yep. Like, weird Work shit. tactics. Yeah. 100%. Grabbing your
1: arm hey, you want a foam hand? <laughs> like, it's very, it's a lot. <laughs>
0: a foam hand that says Bleem on it?
1: Yep. Like. Bleemcast, baby. Oh, my
2: God. Uh-huh. <laughs> I remember that emulator.
1: I saw someone, stri- I they, saw they someone. Had
2: a, they had a booth, they had a booth. that was right in front of where Nintendo is now. You would walk in. Oh, into, God.
1: Into I saw someone streaming. The, right,
2: the big red logo. Uh-huh. Um, oh.
0: I saw someone streaming Bleem, like, something three days ago. I don't know why. I don't know. Bleemstream, baby. They were doing uh, like a if PS2 people, game. We
2: should, we should make it clear, like Bleem was yes. like <laughs> commercialized emulation. Yes. In which somebody was selling as a product. It's just why. Just it's amazing. It's amazing. It's truly Are amazing. Are you telling somebody- me somebody
3: would take fan <laughs> emulation projects and just sell it?
2: They just take it. And make the money whole... from it without giving credit or revenue? No, 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 no. Like Bleem was their whole thing was that like they were building their own tech, but that right. you could put in the discs of your old games and play them like upresed, right? Like it yep, wasn't even was your old of, like, games. This was, was the doing. thing that
0: was great was like if you had a Dreamcast, if you only Take had your a PlayStation
2: One game, put it in a yes. Dreamcast, yes. and it's going to have anti-aliasing,
0: right? And that way, if you don't have a PS One, who cares? Go play Metal Gear Solid. It yep. like. It, it was it, it was a super cool proposition. You know, it sort of worked. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. Sort of, for I saw demo. PC also, sort of. also. You That's can like run it PC. compatibility
3: mode on in Windows. Then. Right. <laughs>
0: <That's not bad. laughs> sort of. Exactly. Like,
3: give me that fifty percent success rate. Like when it works, I'm gonna be like, the future's amazing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you fucking see this shit? I, anyway, my dad got me bleem for PC one year, and it, it did go.
2: work. It did sort of yeah. work. It it at sort gran t- it. Ter- look at Look at Gran Turismo. Through Bleem, that's the one that always I remembered oh, being incredible. Sure. I was looking at Gran Turismo.
0: God, using a car game as your like visual fidelity marker for your emulator is extremely funny. Perfect. Extremely good. Um, now that we've made, now that we've made it back to Kentra Hall, where we all feel safe and sound.
1: <laughs> now yes. we should
0: we should take a break. We should come back. We should talk about games that we've played. Um, I want to talk to. I need to know about the Blue Lions. I need to know. Yes. Um, so we'll be right back.
4: The number one financial destination, YahooFinance.com.
0: All right, so we are back. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, is that the Patrick. Is that,
2: song? No. <laughs> speaking <laughs> of the, speaking of the ESA, I was gonna say this. No. You go. Ahead? Go ahead. Uh, the ESA says that Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo have agreed to disclose the drop rates of in-game items from loot boxes in new games. Um, let me find. I have a more specific quote. Uh, this is from, I guess, like an FTC panel yes. that is happening uh, in DC right now. Yep. Um, I'm pleased to announce—I don't know who this quote is attributed to. Someone from the ESA, I assume. Uh, I'm pleased to announce this morning that Microsoft, Nintendo, and Sony have indicated to the SA a commitment to new platform policies with respect to the use of paid loot boxes and games that are developed for their platform. Specifically, this would apply to new games and game updates that add loot box features, and it would require the disclosure of the relative rarity or probabilities of obtaining randomized virtual items and games that are available on their platforms. As well, many of the leading video game publishers of the Entertainment Software Association have decided they are going to implement a similar approach at the publisher level to provide consumers' this information and give them enhanced information and make purchase decisions. Boy, the industry is fucking shook that yeah, regulation dog. is coming. The well, gambling commissions hanging on by the skin of its teeth. <laughs> <laughs> They're shook about
0: regulation coming and also shook because we know the ESA is not in the position that it maybe once was in to be a defender of the industry uh and especially especially now, <laughs> but but I think yeah. that these decisions predate this past week. Obviously predate this past weekend's blunder. Um but like yeah, like, This is usually, with the, like, this is, the like, for,
2: you know, the ESA was founded to combat the yeah. whole video games are violent. They're going to be regulated as a result. We're going to have a comics code sort of thing. The ESA was essentially put in place to build the ESRB, and so, you know, the EA's, like, like you know, function sh- should be, like, getting the industry prepared for moments like this to get a shit in order before, like, that said... I don't. The industry should be regulated on this regard. Like there should be legislation that like gets rid of loot boxes. So it's like I don't have a lot of sympathy for the nope. for the industry on this part, even if it's going to cut into a lot of EA's profits for fucking FIFA. Well, and that right
3: there is not everyone in the industry has the same interest in fighting this hard. Mm-hmm. This is the other reason the yeah. ESA is not. There's now, a lot of EA? fights. The ESA is, is EA is,
2: on this list. Like where like that, that company's bottom line is built on loot boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah and actually they still even
3: paying dues to the esa i think like part like wasn't part of them breaking from e3 also they kind of broken from the esa but i like i'd have to look that up so don't like hold
2: don't, like, they are part,
0: they are part of this group of publishers who are saying that they Uh, are going to continue... uh, I'm just going to read, in addition, several of ESA's publisher members already disclosed the relative rarity or probability of obtaining in-game virtual items from purchased loot boxes, and other major publishers have agreed to do so no later than the end of 2020. Together, these publishers include Activision Blizzard, Bandai Namco, uh, Bethesda, Bungie, Electronic Arts, Microsoft, Nintendo, Sony uh, Interactive Entertainment, Take-Two Interactive, Ubisoft, Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment, and Wizards of the Coast. All the big ones So this was like...
3: The ESA is kind of formed back in the 90s. There are two other things that are happening back then. One, the industry is way smaller. Like it is not as credible that electronic arts at the time is going to be able to mount a serious and savvy like lobbying effort in Washington. There was a purpose for having sort of a collective lobbying front. Uh, And then the other thing that you have going on here is you needed a collective response on this. You couldn't have publishers and platform holders hitting each other with friendly fire. In the middle of this, like you kind of needed a party line uh, to hit back against like the Joe Liebermans of the world right. who are trying to make this their issue. Um, now it's just a lot of these companies can do their own lobbying. They do not need a. They do not need the ESA to be their only special interest uh, organization working governments on their behalf. And they all don't have the same interest in fighting the same fights. This is why the loot boxes thing, I think everyone has wanted some of that money, but I'm not sure like EA is uniquely invested in that business model. And EA has uh, kind of especially made it prominent as a policy matter in a way that I'm not sure every other publisher or every other uh, platform holder would be interested in, in saying... Yeah, let's let's go up on that hill with EA and die there.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, we're gonna move past the ESA now, as this as the world refuses to. We will. Yeah. Um. What do you want to talk about? You want to talk about firearms? You want to talk about the board games I saw at Gen Con? <laughs> you want to talk about? I where where are people? So, Daniel,
2: I want to hear about. Uh, is it anodyne two?
1: Oh anodyne yeah, you can two. talk about
0: anodyne two. I can
1: I forgot Rock that. Yeah, to so a that's, point.
0: So wait, I, can yes. you set up anodyne yes. one for people who don't I would remember? Like to. And also because I know it is a game you love. It's very special.
1: It's very near and dear to my heart. So yes. anodyne one came out in early 2013. Uh, it was a really, really beautifully designed, uh, really nice art, really nice music. Uh, sort of Link's Awakening style game. Like it was a very, very good. 2D Zelda-like game that had a lot of sort of thematic resonance. It had a pretty cool story. It had a lot of uh, little bits of pastiche, but I I loved it. And it actually holds a very special place in my heart as the first game I ever reviewed as a full-time game writer. So it was the very first review I wrote uh, at Polygon. And um, it was actually, it blew my mind. I I learned later, it was basically a student project uh, by basically two people, Sean Hantani and Marina Kitaka. Uh, and they've gone on to make several games together that I've I've really enjoyed their their sort of output. Yeah. They've so made uh, even the ocean, which was my game of the year in 2016, which is a really awesome platformer uh, that also had like a, a really cool character and a really cool world. They make a lot of like really beautiful, whimsical uh, kinds of games that also have like great like really interesting retro art uh, as well as like really good, tightly designed kind of retro styles of gameplay. And these cool stories and these cool, very fanciful, whimsical kind of worlds. They also made... uh, mostly Sean uh, made this, but I think Marina also did some art and did some uh, some other stuff. But all our Asias, I think last year, maybe early twenty eighteen. I want to say that was there.
0: somewhere in early. I think that that's right.
1: Somewhere in there, uh, which was a cool, more experimental game that had sort of PlayStation One February, style. 2018. February twenty eighteen. 2018, yep. Gotcha. Uh, very personal game about sort of the Asian American experience, and it was like set in the mind of of, of this this young man had to like go into his father's like dying memories kind of thing. So very, very personal, very, um, you know, sort of both whimsical and personal at the same time, I would say is kind of their style. Uh, and now there's Anodyne 2, which is a sequel. Uh, and the game starts with like a message that says, Hey, you don't need to play one to understand the other. They're not like a continuation of each other, but they have some of the same themes and some Mm -hmm. of the same, there's a lot of like little Easter eggs and, and things in it. So Anodyne 2 I think I've only played about an hour uh okay. and I can only speak to like the first section of the game anyway, which is fine uh it's out uh today Friday no, it's not out Friday, never mind the embargo is Friday. Embargo that's Friday. what I'm like thinking okay. of, but it's out soon uh certainly I'm not sure if the release date is uh publicly available yet, but out very soon uh and this is a both a three d game and a two d game
0: august
2: twelfth August twelfth so gotcha know. gotcha
1: yeah. okay, so quite soon monday i guess um And what happens in the game is you are Nova, who is, like, uh, born in this weird, whimsical, funky 3D world to be, like, a cleaner who goes inside people's, like, bodies or minds or something to, like, get rid of this nano dust, which is, like, this evil disease that's hurting people. Again, it's, like, very much in keeping with a lot of their themes of, like... Yeah, the world is personal. The way you combat, you know, environmental or, or disease or, or anything sort of of that nature is to try to help people and care about people and understand their stories. It's like a very humanist kind of view of the world that yeah. they have throughout their work that I really appreciate and I really uh, enjoy. Well, so, how,
0: how, how do you think it looks in terms of, like, like yes. for me, the pa- mm-hmm. all their past, well, all our ages had some like cool wireframe 3 d yes, and yes. like ab- like PS1 Those kinds of sort of, of abstracts. Yeah, from right. PS1. But, but when I think about both Anodyne 1 and even the ocean, both. Yep. those are like really distinct because of their 2d kind of retro yes. art style whereas this feels like just from seeing a little bit of gameplay footage yeah. feels like an, an n64 game or like a ps1 game again yes in terms of its oh, color it's palette
2: trying to figure I'm trying to pin down I look at this YouTube comment that says <laughs> did they find a copy of the game alongside a 3d effects voodoo 2 I Which mean honestly replying yeah great is that if you if, if, great card. Yeah, I I I have I think <laughs> yes. I I don't know if I had a voodoo two, I definitely had a voodoo one. But I think what they're implying is like there were often when you would buy like early three D accelerator cards where it's like it was amazing that you would get Quake One and you could the big thing in Quake One was that in there's a bridge in the first level of the game that you can look down into the water and if you were running in software mode where it was just on your like computer with no three D accelerator, couldn't see through the water. <laughs> with a three D 3D, three D FX chip, you could see through the water. Yeah. And alongside cause so few games supported 3D acceleration at that point. Uh, they came with all sorts of weird, like, visual tech demos. And Anodyne 2 looks like it is just some weird visual tech demo from the early 3D accelerators. Yes. Like, sli- it's, like, more advanced than PS1. I guess it's maybe along the lines of, like, often when we see games that they, they claim to be 8-bit or 16-bit, but made with, like, the technical advances that would come along with that stuff. So it feels, like, kind of in, in yeah. that zone. It's a beautiful... It's, it's like kind of voxel look to, yeah. to some degree, too.
1: Almost Saturn-like. So I know a lot of people are saying PS1 yeah. or N64, Saturn but it's right. very Saturn. 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 Yes. Yeah, totally it's like right. one of their first Because the
2: Saturn, a th- yeah. the Saturn uh, added a 3D chip at the last second yep. to compete with the PlayStation 1. Um, and so the 3D on Saturn games is has such a specific look compared to PS1 stuff, I'm I'm with you. I yeah. would say Saturn is a good console pick.
4: Totally.
1: Very, very Saturn. Uh, but the cool thing is also, like, most of the game, at least what I'm understanding, again, I'm early in, uh, but most of the game, this the sort of 3D overworld, or, or the overworld is very Saturn in 3D, but then you go into the, you know, dungeons, so to speak, the, the sort of uh, meat of, of most of the gameplay is 2D. It is back to that sort of Link's Awakening style, 2D okay. Zelda, lots of puzzles, Simple combat, you know, bosses at the end of, of you know, several rooms so, where you have to figure out switches and and how to figure out how to open up the room. So is
0: the 3D world like a hub that you're exploring then? As then... I understand it, yes. Okay. okay. Yes,
1: more or less. Uh, and then you go into people's mind it's almost like a psychonauts. That's what framework, it sounds like, that you're right? You're going into yeah. people's like minds or body, whatever it is. Well I had a question yeah. about
3: that. In terms yeah. of like emotional tenor, there's a lot of directions you can go with this. Like psychonauts was like the mind is a funny place. It's goofy. It's a yeah. it's a place for pop culture pastiche. There's also the Eternal Sunshine direction, yeah. which is you know surreal and uncomfortable and intimate. Uh, what like is this skewing toward the funny and humorous or more toward the reflective and emotional?
1: I would say reflective and emotional, uh, but certainly there is some humor. So, for example, one of the first like worlds I went into is like this old woman who is like sick in her bed and she's a lampshade uh, collector so she loves lampshades she has all kinds of like 3D wacky looking lampshades in her room and it's like a gross dirty room and you walk in and she's like you're tracking mud and she's like coughing she's like oh my god my lampshades you're trying to steal my lampshades so it's like a little bit funny but it's also like very deeply like this woman is really sick and like you go into whatever it is I don't know if I fully understand if it's like mind body soul whatever it is like her construct herself herself yeah Yeah, and then you you clean up the dust by going through all these rooms with puzzles and, you know, fighting enemies and and that kind of thing. Very, very Link's Awakening style. Uh, So very puzzle-oriented with, like, light combat, you know, light sort of boss encounters. Uh, And then she's, like, really happy, and she offers to give you her mint green uh, lampshade because she has two of them kind of thing. So it's, like, cute. It's, like, funny and cute on one level, but it is very, like... I I really think, like, this team has always made uh, work that is very, like... You can, you can certainly see the humor in it and there is like a whimsy to it, absolutely. But it is very based in like, you should care about people. <laughs> like right. the thing you should do in your life is care about people and help them solve their problems. So I enjoy it. I, I, I'm i really enjoying this thus far and I'm enjoying sort of seeing the, the threads of their various games come together in certain ways. Yeah. Um, but again, I am very early in. So these are just first impressions. Uh. feels feels great to play. Like, the 3D sections feel a little floaty, but again, I think it's mostly overworld stuff. So you can do a double jump, you know, things like that, and you can float on your way down. So you have a double jump, and then you can kind of just, like, gently float. I'm Uh, so
0: curious if there's going to be more...
1: Yeah. Variations
0: on like what the gameplay is in the 3D. Not that I'm not saying like sure. I, I hope there's combat. What I'm saying is like once you open the <laughs> door to the idea of like hey, there's a 3D overworld where you're running and jumping in 3D, yeah. and then there are these like 2D dungeons that opens up the kind of ontological possibility space of 3D for like dungeons. of like 3D dungeons or other types <laughs> of gameplay. Like, yeah. I have nothing like are you going to farm in this game? What are you going to do? I don't know. <laughs> but like if there was suddenly a farming element, I would not surprise me sure. because they're already playing with this. Idea of different types of ge- of gameplay and exploration and, and experience, you know. Yeah. So yeah. you know, uh, let me, me know too. how it goes. I'm yeah. Curious too. Totally.
1: Um. So yeah, I'm I'm really into it. Uh, I'm hoping to uh, write uh, something about it uh, this week. And uh, yeah. Cool. Kind of go through a little bit further into Anodyne 2.
0: Uh, while we're in this like this space of vague retro stuff, uh, I actually been playing something. I just remembered. I put five and a half six hours in to rebel galaxy outlaw. Oh, the file. Okay,
3: I'm really curious about this one.
0: Yeah. So I, I, one Rob, you should just DM them. They, they have codes now. Um, Slide into those DMs. They're they are they are they're out there. Uh, but they
3: added a third dimension. I they, got it. So Did this it work? is the
0: thing. So so Rebel Galaxy comes out in 2015, right? Uh, something like that. 2014, late 2014, October 2014, uh, and that is a game where you're playing as a big like space truck. It's a sp- yeah. game about space trucks. Uh, you are not like a live with fighter. Guns. You're a space truck with guns <laughs> on it, and you're listening to like to like country rock, a like, really good bar band, roots rock. Yeah, you listen to a really good bar band. That's actually totally accurate. Nice. Yeah. Um, and uh, and you're like hauling ships or hauling supplies on your ship. Uh, you're, I guess sometimes you're hauling ships or ship parts. Probably um, you're taking on missions. You're kind of like trying to track down in the in the first game. You're trying to track down your aunt or your mom or your grandmother. I think it's your aunt, your aunt. who's like your cool aunt, who who apparently was kind of like a, a big deal back in the day, and she went missing, and there's a big mystery around what happened to her. So. Uh, Rebel Galaxy... Oh, and and to Rob's point, you could not go up or down in space. It was a flat plane. Uh. It was like something... It was sort of like a space version of the combat that was in uh, the Assassin's Creed, the, the naval combat that had been in the, the okay. Assassin's Creed games, right? Okay. Like big broadside right down
3: to a lot of like timing your broadside, yes, your broadside and, shot timing,
0: using yeah. different types of of, of ammo to, to like impede your enemies and slow them down or whatever. I actually really liked that first Rebel Galaxy game. It was a really good podcast game. It really brought you into that space of just like I'm gonna fucking kick around space for a little bit, get into some hijinks. Um, Rebel Galaxy Outlaw responds to one of the biggest critiques of that first game, which is. Uh, I want to go up and down. <laughs> I want to be in 3D. Um,
3: and to do that, they Which is to say, that, that's kind of a different game. It is a also. different game. This is the weird right. thing. Well, Rebel yes. Galaxy worked. Fundamentally, it worked. That decision they made, it was weird. Mm-hmm. It didn't make a lot of sense to me in the abstract. Five minutes into playing the game, I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of see what you did here. Mm-hmm. You do a good job of like selling me on it. So the notion that ah, it needs to have a third dimension was basically... I want this to be *Privateer*, and I'm right. angry that it's not. That was a critique I'm very skeptical of, and I'm yes. cur- like, I'm a little leery of a *Rebel Galaxy* that said, "Ah, we fixed it." Right, mm. which is what I—I I don't
0: think that they're saying they fixed it. I think that they know what they're saying yeah. is we're making a different game. They are making Privateer or Freelancer, right? That is what they're doing. Um, that is the type of game that this is. It is a 3D space sim in, in the in the model of Privateer or Freelancer. <laughs> which, if you haven't played those, but maybe you've played Tie Fighter or you've played Wing Commander, it's it's a game in which you are in kind of a small craft instead of this big hulking. You know, a uh, cargo vessel or bigger. Uh, you're in, you were in, there are, there are cargo vessels, but it's like single pilot vessels, right? You were in, you were Luke Skywalker in the fighter, right? In the X Wing, or you're Boba Fett in the Slave One, or, you know, you're, that's the s- scale. You're Han Solo in the Millennium Falcon. They get kind of big. The Millennium Falcon is not a tiny little fighter, but it can still be piloted by one person, right? Um, basically, yeah. I'm hand yeah, waving a little less. bit here, but more or less. Well, one, once that d-
3: droid was entombed within it, oh it my god, pilot. I mean, that's <laughs> Fuck That's off. really when solo operations became possible. <laughs> solo solo operations. operations. That's the name of the company, Solo Operations <sighs> LLC.
0: I'm shocked <laughs> they didn't put that in. Uh, so so. It is now a 3D game. You, you're flying up and down. You're getting into combat. But what separates this style of game from something like Wing Commander and makes it more like Elite or Privateer or Freelancer is that it's an open world game. There is a small galaxy map. So it's not No Man's Sky. It's not an endless array of, of planets. Uh, it's, it's I would say a couple dozen um, systems that are tied together by warp gates. You are doing a main story mission or main storyline where you were playing as the aunt from the first game 40 years previous. You're playing her in her like youth or not even her youth. The the, the premise of the game, the kickoff, the start of the game is an animated cutscene where in a very cowboy bebop sense, she like goes to she tracks down this dude for some reason and gets into a bar fight with him. Uh, ends up needing to escape with her life because it breaks. But she shoots him in the head. And he is like, okay. So she shot first. She shot first. Yeah. And then and he just got up and oh, started no. chasing her down. Yeah. And it's like, all right, I gotta fucking I gotta go. I gotta cheese it. And so she leaves. Um and it come what comes out in the opening kind of dialogue is it seems like she was trying to avenge her husband's death. Uh. Um and and now her goal is to track this guy down, to get back on her feet, to get back in the in the mess. Like she had she had retired basically. Oh. she'd been a young scoundrel and is now getting back in the game, getting her contacts back. I'm curious if the next Rebel uh, Galaxy game will go back even 20 years prior to when, when she, she was, was like a young when she was a young scoundrel <laughs> instead of like a middle aged like coming out of retirement getting yeah. back into it. Um, and so does it work? Is your question, Rob? What do you want? What do you want? What's the thing you want? from this? Is it, I want to play another one of those, but it runs on my PC today? Or do no, you want something that's new? It. So that's, this is where I'm at with this, is I put five and a half hours in. Um, I think it's a good one of, I think it is a competent one of these. It's cool to play one of these. I'm going to probably keep playing it. Like, um, I think it's a really good background game. I like uh, running missions. So there's a, a range of missions that you can take just like in Freelancer or in Privateer or, or in Elite where what you're doing is like, uh, hey, uh, bop between these five patrol points in this system to see if there are pirates. Clear out the pirates and then and then you'll get paid for it or run this cargo you know, through a blockade, which means there's going to be a lot of enemies trying to get at you while you try to get away. Or, um, hey, if, do a, uh, uh, you can just trade on the market openly or take certain missions from the Merchants Guild where you're specifically like, trying to fulfill a rare item you know, requirement. Find five alien artifacts and bring them to this place in the, in the galaxy. Um, stuff like that. Everything has a Western theme. Also, I should note everything is like – like literally the star systems are Texas and and Arizona and New Mexico nice. and Juarez and et cetera. Yeah. Um, and it leans into that stuff really, really hard in terms of the like accents and the kind of like space Western vibe. Um, uh, and all those missions, uh, on top of like, the kind of just like regular uh, like proc gen missions, there are side missions that are about advancing your relationship with different characters, mm. um, about like going down their side paths, and those give you some pretty good rewards, and then there's like the main story of trying to investigate the death of your of your husband mm. and find this guy you're after, um, at least again, that's the first few hours. Um, but th- what there isn't is much here that feels new in terms of I've never played something like this, and th- and I think... Thinking about like Privateer, which which kind of resuscitates this this core design from something like Elite, where Elite was an open world game uh, before we knew what open world games were—a huge galaxy to explore. Privateer focused that a lot and was like, "Hey, what if there was just like what if there was a smaller space for you to do this in? A little bit more focused, but still basically a third or a first person cockpit driven like space sim where you're managing shields and you're managing systems." Uh, and then something like Freelancer was like, okay, that's cool. But what if you played with a mouse? <laughs> and what if there were like cool space highways that you could like dip in and out of? And what if there was like this very kind of uh, still space Western vibe, but like all of the planets had slightly different aesthetics. And like it was still bringing something unique to what that, that structure was. I can't undersell how much like Freelancer being a third person space sim that played with the mouse was a distinct thing in an era where people were, were giving away their joysticks or like not didn't have joysticks anymore didn't have whole HOTAS setups anymore. Um, really great. And I'm mad that Freelancer isn't just available on, like, GOG or something, as far as I know. Uh, this, I haven't seen anything that's like, this is the new thing. This is the thing that if you've been playing those games and your goal isn't just, I would like to play one right now, what is the unique thing for Rebel, Gal- Rebel Galaxy Outlaw? Because for Rebel, Rebel Galaxy, it was, oh, I'm a big ship instead of a small ship. And that was so novel for me, especially coming off of those Assassin's Creed games, that I was excited to do big broadside you know, shots. That was a thing that wasn't in any space sim that I'd played. Outside of like you know, maybe um, – what was the one that was the, one of the first ones that really did uh, uh, like six degrees – or like eight degrees of freedom and like actual inertia, Rob? Do you remember the one I'm talking about where you actually got a crew? And- oh, I wore I War, I War, and I War too. Fuck didn't do, those games are good. Those games are fucking great. Uh, we should talk about I War at some point. Um, uh, those games didn't do broadside shots, but you got bigger ships, and so you got to feel a little bit like heftier. Um, yeah. the, the, one of the big things with I War was that. Advanced play meant like turning off the gravity stabilizers, so you would basically drift around in space and use your momentum Whoa. and do things like zip forward and then spin your ship around so you continue your momentum and shoot backwards. It's sort of like a mech warrior in space in that way. And that it took seriously the ideas of like, oh, combat in a different type of environment with these machines would not just be dogfighting. Fascinating fighting.
3: fucking politics. I don't
0: remember. I'll have to dig into this. We should. We should. Oh, the entire
3: game is about you're like fighting this insurgency against an increasingly like powerful centralized government. Interesting. Whoa. And oh yeah, the no the the entire thing is in fact the the story forks at one point uh, huh. depending on like which course you follow. And you, it sort of determines like, are you going to begin? Basically, are you going to be the best like space counterinsurgent you can be, or are you going to begin questioning the orders you're receiving? Oh shit! Uh, and like the game sort of diverges based on those reactions. It's what a cool game. Yeah, wow. I I remember really liking that
0: game. I'll, both that one and the sequel. I remember the sequel not as good, but but or not as groundbreaking, I'd say. But like I remember loving the first one. Um. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with this. Like. It is cool to play a 3D space sim in 2019. Uh, It has good music. There's like a radio station with advertisements. Those are cool. Yes, please.
3: A lot of times the sort of six degrees of freedom, like the rap on, for instance, the Wing Commander... Uh, system was always that you could spin and move in, the, in any, any direction but the weird thing was the combat always felt like you were stationary and the world was moving around you. There's yeah. very little sense of like speed and agility and momentum in this. Does this at least make you feel like, yeah, I'm a pilot doing cool pilot things, feeling Not, the Gs? No. Like I so this is this
0: is part of my big thing with it is like I there are times when I'm able to like hey, there's like some space debris I'm hiding behind or like I zip through to kind of carry some shots or, you know, I've, I've lined up uh, a torpedo run from a long distance and like seeing that take off like does make me feel like, oh, wow, space is cool. Space combat, awesome. Um, but a lot of time, so... I'll give you I just want to explain like how you actually play this game It's probably worth saying. I'm playing with a gamepad. They recommend playing with a gamepad. I think a lot of people have you know Xbox 1 or PS4 controllers around and both of those work. It does have a mouse mode. I haven't fucked with the mouse mode yet. I don't have a HOTAS setup anymore. I wanted one when I was getting into Elite Dangerous, but I never got around to it. <laughs> so, with a gamepad, um, the way it works is your A button is like advanced throttle like throttle up. Your B button is throttled down. Your uh, X button, I think, is, like, fire your whatever your your ordinances, like missiles or torpedoes or whatever. Um, you have a bunch of, like, communication stuff. Like, the the back button brings up, like, a quick comms thing. So, like, if a pirate is attacking you, but you don't have a particularly low reputation with that pirate faction, maybe you can be like, yo. And also, if your ship is pretty strong, you'll be like, hey, don't fuck with me. And they'll be like, all right. You know what? We can both walk out of here alive, right? So, that's kind of cool. The The way that the game primarily works though, is about the left trigger. So you target something with the left bumper, uh, either by tapping it while it's under your reticle, classic flight sim thing, or you hold it down and hit like LB and then up for target the nearest like hostile, or you cycle through with LB and then left and right on the d-pad, right? So totally fine. Once you're targeted to something, if you hold down the left trigger, you kind of auto lock to it. Your ship orients it in the right direction and begins to pursue. It's like combining – for old Space Sim fans, a lot of Space Sims had something that was like match speed. It's match speed, but it's also just like – and also give me your controller. Give me your right thumbstick so you can point in the right direction and begin to pursue. Um, there are harder modes. I think there is a simulation mode that maybe turns that off. But they recommend playing on normal and just letting you have this. There's also like – a there's kind of four difficulty modes. It's like normal and then hardcore or something and then classic and then simulation uh, even hardcore still has all that. It just starts you out. Or whatever the second the second difficulty is, it just starts you out with worse equipment. It starts you out with like a shitty laser and yeah. uh, and a like no radar. Um, but like the controls are the same. This idea of like hold down left trigger, zip behind the guy, shoot him with your laser, as he blows up, is just that. And I I like it. Like there was part of me that's like, all right, I can really it really becomes a podcast game. Like mm. I zip into the place. I'm figuring out which targets I want to hit first still. I am still moving my engine, my my power between my engines, my shields, and my weapons. Like, that stuff is still there. I am still deciding whether or not to, like, I'm still managing my heat. Like, all that stuff is still there. But core, the core thing of, like, I want to get behind this enemy is basically the left trigger and then some, like, nuance when I want to cut that off or take my own route. Um, And I guess that is the new thing, if there is a new thing in this game. Yeah. I'm not opposed to it because it is about making this style of game accessible to people who've never played it before. I, and it mostly works for me. Um, but it is weird to be mm. playing one of these where I don't have the thing you just talked about, Rob, which is that feeling of progressive mastery and and feeling just like I'm doing cool space tricks. I'm not really doing cool space tricks that often. Um, so that is like, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's not that I'm down on it so much as it's not going to be the thing that I'm going to be like, wow, this is incredible. Like I, I got five and a half hours in. I just bought my first, like. My second ship, you start with kind of like a shitty little, little like, banger. little, yeah, yeah, it's all banged up. It's basically <laughs> a space tugboat, you know. Yeah. I finally upgraded. It's a very, it's a game that's all about experimentation. Like, you can trade, your ships don't lose value. I could go and trade in this fighter I got and then immediately go get, spend that money on a different ship all, without having lost any money. Like, it, it wants you to kind of find your way through it. But it's always going to, I think it's always going to be in this podcast tier of game, yeah. which is not a bad place to be, all said. Um, But again, music, really good. There's like seven different radio stations. They got the message that people like me just wanted it to be a Cowboy Bebop game more than a Space (laughs) Trucker game. And so I was going to add jazz anyway. So now there's just a dedicated jazz station, which is good. Um, It's mostly all like royalty-free type stuff, like the stuff that we would use at the start of a stream. But there are a couple of tracks that are like um, uh, a cover of In the Pines – The song that I think got was popular by Nirvana. Where do you sleep last? Where did where did he sleep last night? Mm -hmm. Just started playing on the radio the other night. I was like, "What? Hey, that's a (laughs) song. I know that. At this point, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That's a great song. There you go. And that's in this game. Cool. Okay. Uh, So that was funny.
1: That's lovely.
0: Yeah. So there's a some good, stuff there. What a good vibe. Rob, I really want you to check it out as someone who has the same kind of yeah. like uh, uh, history with the with the genre. This
1: is um, Rebel Galaxy Rebel 2? Rebel
0: Galaxy Outlaw.
1: Rebel Galaxy Outlaw.
0: Rebel Galaxy Outlaw. And it's cool just to see one of those games is what I will say. Briefly, I want to hit some Gen Con stuff. And then I, I we got to talk about Fire Emblem. I just want to shout out two games I played at Gen Con. Um, and I played a bunch of stuff. But the two of the ones that I had a lot of fun with were the Die Hard board game. Good. <laughs> which is being made by USAopoly, which is a funny name for a board game company. I like that. Um, um, it's a one versus many board game in which one person plays John McClane and everyone else plays like the Hans Gruber thief, thieves as kind of a collective. Um, and so it's
3: Nakatomi Vampire, basically. Basically, or, sorry, Dracula's Fury. Dra- yeah, I suppose. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, it's Nak- yeah, exactly. Hans Gruber's Fury. Um, there's like a the way it basically works is that it's a card based game and a map based game. There's a John McClane figure that includes a bad Bruce Willis haircut. Oh, good. Which is very good. Um, And the Bruce Willis, the the John McClane player draws a uh, a hand of cards um, that lets them do things like move certain number of tiles and shoot. And like when they shoot, it'll say like shoot three, which means if you roll a three or better, you hit, right? On like a regular die, like a regular six-sided die. Um, Or punch or crawl. And then the thief side is really interesting because the way it works is like, let's say Patrick was John McClane and Rob, Danielle, and I were were the thieves. Uh, Rob, you're going to be the head thief. The way this game works is at the start of every round, uh, the three thieves all draw a hand, basically, and then we all look at each other. The head thief shows us a card that they want to be in the mix this round from their hand, and then, Danielle, you and I would see that and then pick a complimentary card hmm. to give to Rob, the head thief, from our little micro nice. hand. And so it's collaborative in this very, like, hands off way if that makes sense where it is not about yeah. us just dis- deciding at this first stage about what we're going to do it's just like here's what is in the mix this this round those cards then get played face up and whatever they all have numbers on them from like 0 to 30 or something and whatever one is in the middle is the one that you're allowed to use the actions on it you're allowed to use so maybe it has a move action maybe it has a punch action maybe it has a shoot action the other thing the, the other half of that is the numbers that don't get played have all they all have numbers on them those numbers get checked against uh another set of cards that are the lock mechanism on the vault that Hans Gruber is trying to get into and so every turn there is this slowly ticking advancement as the as the thieves get deeper and deeper into the vault trying to unlock it um as as McLean tries to stop them and and all that it's a cool map the map folds out it's pretty cool um, nice. The other one is a new game from Fantasy Flight, which is called Star Wars Outer Rim, which is like an adventure board game. Uh, you you have characters who get missions who explore the Outer Rim of the Star Wars galaxy, which is like you know your Tatooines, yeah. uh, and your your whatever else is like your I guess n- uh, your fuck most uh, not most easily. What's the one that Mon Calamar. Uh, oh, Mon Cal. Of uh, and I'm thinking of one more Outer Rim planet. Is that an Outer is that, Rim
3: world? I don't think it so. is on the, it is
0: What's on the this garbage map. World. I don't remember the garbage world. Uh the that one IG-88 that IG
1: eighty eight hangs out yeah, in, in Shadows of the In Empire. Shadows. I don't
0: know. I don't remember. The, the one that is definitely on there is the one is Corellia, I think, is oh, there, sure. which is where the Maltese or the Maltese Falcon, bad. The Millennium Falcon was made. Um the that's a cool game because you have characters who have who get who are trying to be famous, right? This is a game about the scoundrels of the Star Wars universe. This is like you can play as Han Solo or Jin from Rogue One mm. or Boba Fett. Uh, or IG-88 might be one of them. Oh, nice. Um, or uh, Dr. Aphra from the recent comics is, is in the mix too, uh, who's a really interesting character. Um, and the way it works is your job is to get fame. You get fame by like completing bounties, uh, completing jobs, um, doing cool shit. There's, like, decks for all the different things, like bounties and jobs. There's, you know, all sorts of upgrades you can get for your ship or your character. It's sort of like a a multiplayer RPG, like tabletop, like, board game RPG. Um, And the thing that I love about it, one, is there's a lot of little tiny mechanical nods to the universe. It's very flavorful in ways that don't necessarily shout about their flavor. So, for instance, every character has a special ability. Uh, Han Solo's special ability is that he can move two two spaces more on the galactic map than anybody else. So he can He's move fast. fast. He's fast. Yeah. And it, we didn't get it at first, but um, uh, Kessel is one of the planets- and if you're advancing at it from one direction, no one can get through this thing called the maelstrom, which was in the movie Solo, uh, in a single turn because you, you have to get to it, pause, and go through it with your next step. From the other direction, it takes really long to get to to Kessel because it's seven steps and your default movement speed for everybody is five mm. for everybody except for Han Solo, which makes him the only person who can do this Kessel Run in a single turn, oh. which is like a clever little way <laughs> of nodding without ever saying the words Kessel Run, you know? Um, the thing that I really love about it are the ways in which characters come into interaction with each other briefly and then move on. Like, everyone's all out in the galaxy doing their own thing. I'm out here doing my bounty hunting. You're at Danielle, you're out here doing another one. Yeah. Rob, you're just trying to move some, some supplies. You know, I got a mission at one point that was about trying to get refugees out from uh, uh, Empire space and get them to safety on another planet where there was a rebel base. Like, cool little micro stories are happening all the time, but they do interact in a couple of different ways. At one point, a player got a – intercepted a like a encoded transmission and there was a card that they got. That, there was a private card just for them and it said, hey, if you land on the spot with another player, give this to them and you both get a point of fame because it was something important, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, OK, cool. So I have options to help other players. The better example is – while you're doing your bounty hunting, the board is filled with all these little like chits that all have different colors on them and they're face down. So like, I, know I, have a, I know I'm looking for this guy who has a green outline. I don't know where he is, but I can see all the green outlines on the map. So I'm going to go from a green outline to green outline trying to investigate who, who each one is. And when you find someone and they're not your bounty, there's an event with them. And so, in the on the way to do that, I ended up running into one of the characters from Star Wars: A New Hope the, that Obi Wan fucks up. You know, the two guys at the beginning who were oh, like, yeah, the- "I'm wanted in seven star sectors, or whatever." Yes. Fuck off, Obi Wan! Classic line.
1: Angry man. Angry, yeah.
0: angry man. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I was, uh, I found him, and he was not who I was looking for. I was actually looking for his friend, uh, but. And I passed, like, some sort of skill check and managed to recruit him onto my crew. And he gave me a special ability. Well, my friend Ally was a bounty hunter also and was looking for him. Oh. And in, like, the final move of the game, tracked me down. And you as a player who has a bounty, someone else's bounty on your crew has the option of, like, giving him up or... Fighting to defend your your crew member. And so we got in this big gunfight at the very end. We both we both got knocked out. Like we both did like lethal damage to each <laughs> other. And my bounce the, the crew member lived. I defended the crew member's life and dignity. Uh and that was like a really fun way to wrap things up. And it was just like, okay, cool. These little spikes of interaction. end that affect
3: endgame scoring, I'm curious. So like she so you didn't end up get, sort
0: of So, in this case, the next round, we've continued, it was a demo, right? So, I played for, we played for like an hour basically. Uh, It's normally a two to three hour game. Um, If. Uh, once you lose all your health, you have to spend the entire next round. You just lose your next turn, basically. You can't go anywhere. You have to stay in place and kind of tend to your wounds. Um, the
1: medical robot has to come exactly. In, put you in a tank. Put you in a tank, a back to tank, thing. or culto
0: tank, depending he, on where you are. Either or. Either or. Uh, and uh, uh, the point there, though, is she didn't get fame for capturing the bounty, right? Um, and I got to keep him in my crew, and he is was good. Like, he basically let me... I think he let me count some dice as a success instead of a failure base. He just made me better at the thing I was doing. Um, I, I ended up having a very OP build. Picking
3: bar fights. Picking bar <laughs> fights, exactly. Actually, that
0: That's... wasn't his skill. That was No, he picked not it pretty skill. bad. He did He did a bad job with it and lost his, his arm. You ever think about how Obi-Wan just starts that movie up by, like, cutting someone badly with a lightsaber? Love it. It's a lot. The Jedi are good. The Jedi are the yeah, good right? ones. They're the good ones. Yeah. Sure. We'd already seen. I guess, do they resist the Jedi mind trick? Does he try? And then they go like, that doesn't work on me. Yeah, he does. And they're like, fuck off. Which is great, honestly.
1: Yeah, it is actually pretty I love good. that we, yeah, we
0: immediately meet people in that world who are like, no, I know your weird tricks, old man. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Go oh, change
1: your robes. Yeah.
0: So that was my Gen Con experience, playing some board games. Uh, I played a bunch of other stuff. There were Mech Warrior. There were BattleTech pods there. Rob, oh, uh, and I did. I actually played some tabletop BattleTech also, which was fun. Um, OG, managed, yeah, OG, OG. Catalyst was there with it, so I definitely that is a really fussy game. It's such a fussy game, but it's so fun to roll dice to see what components get broken. <laughs> you know, um, it's it's it was such a good reminder of how. The um, harebrained schemes BattleTech game captured what that board game did, you know, what that what what that tabletop game did and like brought the right parts of it forward without making me count without making me roll dice seven times to see how my missiles landed.
3: Um, so how was, do you feel about the decision to excise torso twisting? That's the real question. Big part was, of that tabletop know, game. It is. Uh, it's fine.
0: I'm fine with it. It's fine. Uh, You know, they also excise the difference between punching and kicking. It's fine. True. You know?
1: Just melee? It's just melee. It's just a melee thing happens. In the video game.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It's a smarter design in terms of just, like, streamlining stuff. Um, as fun as it is to just have thirty dice, and you like, might
1: have really long arms that are exactly true. the same as your legs, so it's fine.
0: That's true, but you can but you can hold weapons in your hands, true. and it's hard to if you're a robot, it's hard to kick really high.
1: It's true, so you can only kick you get legs. Your very weirdly proportioned. Exactly, it's, it's, I exactly. get
0: that. Not as bendy. Yeah, unless you're an Ava, in which case,
1: right? Well, that's you a kick heads you all know that's
0: day. Oh wow, true. Really? Hmm. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Sorry. God.
0: Should bleep that.
1: I am sorry. It's
0: fine, it's fine. Can you make a note and bleep
1: (laughs) what I just said, Danielle? I ruined everything. I'm very sorry.
0: Spoilers. Um, So that was my my experience in Indianapolis. Actually, I also ate a lot of. This is a weird one, burrata. Oh yeah, I'd never had burrata before the cheese. Patrick, yeah. is Chicago getting a burrata influx right now? Because everywhere I went had burrata in Indianapolis, like ev- like including I don't think
3: the Patrick's airport. You ask about this. Well, because
2: yes, you're, you're right near Wisconsin. Them. My theory... is that like American cheese. Oh, oh boy. Oh wow, this no, is it's so no, good no, I... when
3: people visit the Midwest and it's like this is an exotic land. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the thing Patrick, is, you're Wisconsin. Eat... You you got to know all about the fancy cheeses. Uh, I actually eat all sorts of fancy cheeses, but I just don't know what any of them are. Okay. Like my wife. Super into cheese. So, like, cheese spreads all the time, but I just put them in my mouth and okay. I don't have any sense. She what they are. In
3: Wisconsin, she's actually known as Lady Katie of the Cheese Castle. <laughs> it was like. It's a backup plan if this, yeah, if this game
2: doesn't thing work. doesn't work out.
0: It's like. It's. Burrata is like a softer, like mozzarella with almost a creamy center.
1: Have you had fresh mozzarella? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Have, I, yeah, I don't know that I necessarily go as far like is it like a burrata renaissance in the Midwest. But Why was it everywhere yeah, in Indianapolis, including like
0: a burger restaurant I went to? It was like, oh, yeah, we just added burrata to the menu. Like, I feel like someone is doing good work. In on the, the burger? No, as a side,
3: as a side. Like as a as, an, as an appetizer, okay. basically.
2: Um, I was like, it's usually like burrata goes on like a... Like you know, toast and or yeah, like yeah. tomato and stuff like yes. that.
3: Yeah. I can think of two things. I, yeah. I think of three. One, you've got a distributor who's doing a really good job evangelizing. That a is what my up. theory is. Yes, you have a restaurant that was super trendy, and a lot of people are mm. trying to crib parts of its uh, menu. Three, uh, keto diets are increasingly in fashion. People are looking for ways to get fat and protein on a plate uh, yeah, without fair. necessarily a ton of like other stuff going carbs. along with it. And like, yeah. Burrata, yeah, like, cause keto can get really monotonous. And oh, so, yeah. you know, here's a fancy creamy cheese that you can throw on this uh, dish. Like increasingly a thing that does what Burrata is doing will be in demand. That makes sense. Uh, I also am looking now and it looks like there is a
0: new, a new Italian cheese producer in Indiana oh. that only opened up in the last year. And I bet that's part of it. I bet that's, there you go. Um, the Barada Boys. The burrata, That's right. The Barada Boys gang, gang. Uh So besides that, all I've done is
1: <laughs> it's a different. Po- I
0: just I like thinking about Jesus and Mero, eating Barada and doing a podcast about cheeses.
1: Is, is there Bodega Barada?
0: Oh my God, Bodega Barada! I would I would fuck around. Do you want to eat it? Yeah.
1: I mean,
3: I would try it. Yeah. Okay. People I don't, don't love ch- bodegas because they make them sick. People love bodegas because like if it's if it's there, it probably isn't, but if it is there, it's fine. It's fine. And it's cheap. <laughs> and it's cheaper. It's cheap. It's, cheap. it's in it's, every neighborhood. And it's good. Mostly.
1: <sighs> we, I buy cheese at my bodega. See? All the time. All
0: the time. I would trust bodega barata. Bodega barata also. It like
1: packaged properly. Uh, uh,
0: AKA. Yeah. AKA Bodega Barata.
1: <laughs> A.K.A.
0: Manhattan <laughs> mozzarella. You Already know what it is. Um, that's the name
1: of this podcast is Bodega Barada. Just so you know, yeah,
0: I know, mm-hmm. I know, that's good. <laughs> Lord, can we talk about Fire Emblem? I know you, I left and everyone started yeah, playing. Yeah, okay,
2: Rob's out, Rob,
0: you're here. Not everyone, your family. <laughs> when you're here, you're family. Oh, that's Bodega it. Bodega
1: Barada, wait,
0: Danielle, you're not playing despite being. You know, a, a tactics <sighs> convert at this point.
1: The tactics convert, I'm almost at 1600 hours oh of into the breach, almost.
0: 0 hours of fire emblem 3 houses. 0.
1: I, my my partner is is uh, 40 plus hours into into the breach. That's just what I'm doing now. I'm just infecting other people with my yeah. disease yeah. at this point. But yeah. I everybody's talking about fire emblem, fire emblem. I'm interested. However, it doesn't have cool little mix and a cool backstory about the end of the world that is very resonant here in the end times of 2019 (laughs) but it does have other things
2: but but it has a woman who wants to sit in her dorm and eat cake but when lured out onto the battlefield will wield (laughs) her bow and arrow and smite down Everyone around her. Patrick has a new. Go back into her cave. Continue <laughs> to eat cake. eating cake. All Patrick right, has I a new Donald. I can
1: understand that. Patrick's
2: All Patrick's right. found his Donald for Fire Emblem Three Houses. Oh, yeah. just it's Bernadetta, the best. Yeah, her name Bernadetta is Bernadetta. Is, yeah, she's very. She she's very is my good. instrument of death. She will, as soon as possible, ride a horse. Oh yeah, <laughs> and will just be trapezing around these maps. Just she recently like. Uh, I feel like it's possible to like even overlook the support conversations. I just want to make sure you're yeah, yes. you are playing Fire Emblem Three, three Houses because the game at one point points them out, but then like never brings them up again, yep. and it is super easy to forget that when you're playing Three Houses, when you get the little hearts, that means you're getting your support up, but the class doesn't actually go up till they have a, an interaction, like a conversation, which you have to press X or whatever to bring up like the main menu. And then there's a support section, which I have a big red icon next to it once you pull it up. And then you have to go through all those conversations. Um, and they're just, yeah, they're I go for her. She is delightful. And she is so neurotic mm-hmm. and so nervous and just has no confidence. And all I'm doing is giving her gifts and building up her confidence. And I just, I have a main character that, like, at a certain point in the plot, without getting into a spoiler, like, gets access to just, like, an enormously badass sword <laughs> that can just really wrecks some the shit. And all, I can, and all I can think about is just, instead of giving her more wax with that sword, it just makes sure that that arrow just whoosh, yeah. goes into the night sky, comes down, yeah. and steals their heart by going into their chest, <laughs> ripping out their heart, and letting them bleed out as I, as I uh, work my way through the map. Oh, so she Rob.
4: Can
2: cake. Rob. <laughs> Patrick. You're a cop. Oh! <laughs> no. No.
3: I reject this framing. It's bullshit. <laughs> First of all, Edelgard's the fucking cop. Okay? Let's be very fucking clear about this. Uh, Edelgard is like Donnie Brosco type cop. Okay? Oh. Like she's going deep cover and she's going to blow it all up.
1: Austin's telling me uh, this Austin's is false no. information. Well, in your scenario. Edelgard
0: scares the shit out of me, dude. Good. That's because. Oh. I bite my fucking tongue. <laughs> I think Edelgard she's bad has news. A b- S- Mhm. Oh, she's ba- You know what? She is. She is bad as a Golden Deer member.
2: Yeah. You know what,
0: Rob? She is bad oh. news. She is. Uh I, more and more, I think maybe she's the sort of bad news we need in this world.
1: Oh shit! You know what wow. I mean?
0: <laughs> uh, I'm, okay. I'm, so I, listen, I'm, I'm gonna take you through I'm my. Credited gray yet. for my boy for my boy Claude. I just wanna be clear. M- me and Claude f- for life, right. like NWO, like for life. But. <laughs>
2: But well, I don't know. I don't know if that's However, the, the analogy you want to use. I feel like NWO's lineup started changing a lot. People yeah, started I, knifing each other. Yeah, <laughs>
0: uh huh. Um,
2: but I do, I just think Edelgard has some good ideas. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> All
0: right. <laughs> right. Uh huh. So here's Rob, the deal. Rob, take us
2: through because you, I want to just point out in turn. Like I think since Three Houses has come out, yeah. this is just some pretext to set up Rob explaining blue line. Is like uh, in the media, it seemed like at least in my sphere, Golden Deer was like the popular pick. I went with uh, uh, with the Eagles because it was like, oh, I want to do something different, and the Blue Lions just didn't seem as interesting. But when, since the game has come out, the numbers seem to have suggested that like Black Eagles are like far and away like the most popular house, and Blue Lion is is not one that is like it's either like Golden Deer or Blue uh, 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 Black Eagles. So, like, how did you fall? How did you fall on? So part of it your, was
3: your so part of it's just like kind of a. A Heisenberg effect, where like I had seen that article about how popular uh, the Black Eagles are, and they are absolutely the sort of faction that I always pick. Like this, is like sure, there was yeah. something okay. where yeah. I, I was like, very I always throw throw behind these guys, and I would kind of like to maybe see a different type of story, right? <laughs> like let's see, let's let's play against type a little bit. And Claude, the game sets him up in a very interesting way. Like literally the game tells you up front he seems very friendly but his smile doesn't reach his eyes. Yep. Aww. And if there is a personality type that makes my skin crawl, like if there is if there is a type of person that I immediately begin watching like a hawk and do not trust, it is someone who gives off that kind of vibe. Like there was no way I was gonna go have good times with uh, Golden Deer when Claude is described as somebody like that, right? So, so you joined up with Sylvain instead. Got it. Well, okay, <laughs> I'll, we'll come to Sylvain. Uh, Dimitri, like it seemed like there was some really good bleak backstory with the oh, blue Lions something there that was for curious sure. to to, to, the, to get into, uh, and you know, and and then furthermore. I also think that there is something to be said for being a teacher and a mentor to a divinely appointed monarch. Ah. And Mm. you can can sort of shape them, build them to be a virtuous king. Oh, a god God said that he should be
0: king? Is that what happened, Rob? Oh.
3: Well, I mean, works in mysterious ways. (laughs) God can also be a bloody terror attack. Uh, yeah. uh-huh. That leads to the annihilation of an entire region uh, and the subjugation of its people. That that can also be God's will. In fact, historically, when people evoke God's will, it turns that out. is frequently what <laughs> what they're what oh. they're justifying. Uh, but no, so I, my my t- my approach was kind of going to be: it worked for Aristotle when he mentored a young king. And uh, everyone was really happy with how that turned out. Did and it? So no. mm, and so why not I? Why shouldn't I do the same and I create can... a wise ruler? Like Alexander the Great. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Got it. Uh, <laughs> so, but the thing is, immediately it starts, immediately I started realizing that
2: I think I might hate the organization I work for. Oh. This is what I love about it because yeah. the reason I started digging down this was that Rob just idly in a chat room we were talking about something just like mentioned like he's in Blue lines I was like oh that's interesting but then also expressed I I maybe regret the choice I have made <laughs> and I was like what a beautiful campaign to have to play is one where you're like pulling your hair out the entire time <laughs> well okay so here's there's there's a couple things one
3: the overarching. Uh, setting for this this military academy where you're ra- raising future leaders of Frodon or whatever, um, it sucks. Oh my I god. hate
2: god,
1: <laughs> Fro- Frodon,
3: Fodlan, whatever.
1: Fro-yo. <laughs> Fro-yo. <laughs> wow,
2: we have already we have already lost Rob on like. Can't wait for the spoiler cast where Rob's like. Well, let's talk. Welcome to the F- Frodon cast starring.
0: <laughs> throwdown and Frodon. Well, throwdown. Yeah, huh That's the name of the third yeah, line. Anyway. <laughs> throwdown and Frodon. Throw
2: the <laughs> point is, I
3: already hate this fucking monastery military academy that I work for. All these okay. people creep me okay. out. Yeah. Then, but then there is such a weird vibe around Blue Lions that is deeply uncomfortable And it feels like everyone is walking on eggshells around each other, and it's very dramatic. But like people playing Golden Deer are like, "Hoo hoo, kooky fun!" Like it's a high school anime. (laughs) It
0: is. Meanwhile, it's like it's like. It is It is basically the, we're in the mystery machine solving solving riddles, Aww. interacting with ghosts, being like, what's
2: going on here? And, Bla- and Black Eagle, everybody fucking hates each other. Ooh. No one likes each other. And not even necessarily like, ah, maybe you just need to hook up and like, get rid of the tension. Nah, there's just like, fuck you, wow. fuck you, support level C. <laughs> okay, actually there's a little wow. bit of that.
3: So like, there's this conversation you have early with... Um, this dude, Felix, who fancies himself like an aspiring master swordsman. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also he is Dimitri, the faction leaders, and the, and the king of uh, the, the kingdom in the north, basically. Um, he is like his friend from childhood. Ooh. And there's this point where you're talking to Felix. And Felix just turns to you and is like, you need to understand something about Dimitri. He comes across as very virtuous, very moral, very decent, Uh-oh. but under you scratch beneath that an inch, and he's an animal like everyone else.
0: <laughs> it's Like, the Chris, like it's the Chris Hartlow speech, the Chris Hartlow speech about Marlow. It's the it's yeah. the like I you think I'm his I'm holding him back. He is the real one. Wow. People should watch that. Yeah, Wire.
3: and like wow, and it's so at odds with everything else you see. And the other, the best part of this of this house is um this dude uh Dedu. Yeah. Who is he is from this region, Dusker, that was occupied and then brutally suppressed in the wake of this attack that put Dimitri in his king and wiped out basically like the entire royal court. And he is Dimitri's most loyal retainer. He's his bodyguard. But there is this amazing exchange that happens between them where this is their bonding conversation. This is their first, uh, the, the, their first support conversation where Dimitri is like, hey, man, like why are you always so formal? He is, uh, Dedue is like very Sundara. He <laughs> is incredibly like, serious, grave, uh, very prim and proper, but also secretly like really sweet and soft. But there's this conversation where Dimitri is like, hey, we've hung out together for ages. You're like the person I'm closest with. Just call me Dimitri. Like, you're my friend. And Dedu looks at him and is like, but I'm not your friend. I'm your vassal. And that's how we roll in Blue Lions. Like, it is... And so it, it everything feels like... There is like the superficial level of kindness and sweetness between these characters, but also it feels like at any moment the ice could like break and you are just plunging down into this like well of resentment and suppressed anger.
0: Are we had another quick tactical hiccup. Rob, you were telling me about to do, I'm not ending this podcast until I hear you talk about to do <laughs> who seems like a cool character who I never got to talk to that much because he was a retainer, which means he's completely unrecruitable. Oh. So you said you just finished telling me that he was very soon delay, that he was like kind of like cool, but secretly had like a, a good heart. Um, is that he I love cooking like, and gardening?
3: That okay. Kind of stuff. Uh, okay, good. Same. Good stuff. Like- Everyone, everyone else's support conversations with him are all about like, wow, I had no idea that you'd be so down with teaching me how to cook. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, but he has this one conversation with Dimitri, and he is a retainer. He's Dimitri's retainer. And uh, he has basically been Dimitri's bodyguard for his you know entire life. And there is this point, like Dimitri, in their first support conversation, Dimitri says... He starts by inviting him out to, like, grab a late dinner or something like that. And Dedue gives this really formal, like, you know, I'm afraid, you know, I would, or he says, I would be glad to accompany you, uh, Lord Dimitri, or something like that. And Dimitri's like, hey, man, you can just call me Dimitri. We're friends. We've known each other for ages. Uh, stop addressing me like a vassal addressing his lord. And, De, like, Dedue, like, looks at him and gets really serious. And he's like, but... I'm not your friend. I am your vassal. Yeah, good. And what's great about that is it's so ambiguous. Like, is he saying that, look, our friendship is not real. It's based on a power dynamic. Because this comes up a lot around Dedu. He's very conscious of the fact that he is other. Mm -hmm. uh, That he is part of a discriminated discriminated, uh, minority. And so it's unclear in a lot of his interactions when he sort of draws these boundaries. Is he trying to put himself down and say no because of who I am and my background I can never play that role I will not allow myself to play that role as one of you or is he doing the other thing which is no like as long as this power dynamic is in play as long as I am treated the way I am and seen the way I'm seen we can never be equals in the way you want us to be it can never be easier and informal for you I'm not going to allow that it's not clear what Dadu is doing, and I'm so curious to yeah. see how this unfolds and I, it only happens in those relationships with, with those power dynamics. He's very cool with other people. There is this like and this is true throughout Blue Lions. It always feels like there's a lot of like superficially sweet interactions, but at any moment the like ice could break and you were plunging into. All of the suppressed anger and resentment and, like, buried issues.
0: Hell yeah. The the so yeah. character, So like, I, I, I said this in the review a little bit, but, like, this is a game that is interested in things like nationality and race. Um, one of the characters who I really love is Cyril, who is, like, a little boy who works for the church and who does, like, you know, who's constantly doing chores He's for the snitch. church. Huh? Did he snitch okay. on you?
1: You like the snitch, snitch? huh?
0: Wait,
3: what did he snitch on you for? What'd you do?
1: Rob, what
3: did you do? But look, (laughs) I have not done anything yet. Yet. Okay.
0: He's a child. He's a child who is like enthralled with the in the presence of the Pope. You know? The the lady Pope.
1: He's into the Pope.
0: Yeah, the point is, I mean, he, the thing that I love, so his character, he's a a little boy who I've learned, who I've taught how to use an axe real well. Just, oh my god, what a killer he is. Um, uh, He literally has the Donald thing, which is that, like, every level, he gets better stats than other people. Like, on average, he's just, Mm -hmm. his levels are Mm -hmm. just better levels. And the thing that... uh, Put him to the front line. Yeah, listen, man. (laughs) You got an axe in your head. You'll see a
2: child with an axe and go... Oh, just leave him alone! No, Ooh. done. That's his it. might is double, so that you can do two hits. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs>
0: um, a lot of his story is so he was someone who was like, without getting into like the whole picture, the the, the gist of his story at the very beginning even is he was adopted by the church after a fight between uh, soldiers of the church and uh, the group to the east, the the kind of uh, culture to the east, which is a brown skinned uh, mm. uh, culture that whose name I forget at this point because uh, it's been a couple of weeks since I like played through this game. Um, and the thing that I like about his supports is everyone in the beginning of this game, or the be like the first level support for him, has their own sort of very weird liberal racism that they bring to bear, where no one is like, no one is like, oh, you're not a good person because you have brown skin. Uh, they're like, oh, you're from Almira. Uh What was it? You must miss the Almiran people so much. And he's like, I was seven. I, like... I, most of my life has been spent here. I was not like an initiate in their, in the Almiran culture. I was a baby when I came here. Uh, or people who are like, um, uh, well, you should tell me all about all the Almiran like festivities. And he's like, uh, there was a war and then I was orphaned <laughs> and now I live in this monastery. Yeah. I can tell you about the festivities here. Um, and, there's actually deep in this character a sort of weird resentment about his heritage um, where he actually is at this point throughout most of the game is like doesn't know how to identify as an Elmiran because he's been denied that part of his heritage and has never built positive, rep- positive connection to it. And because he's literally being raised by the lady pope who is like, ah, but the Church of Saros, that's where it's at. This is what civilization
2: looks like. Um, and I have, a, I have a character I don't want to say who they are but yeah like once you some of their backstory becomes apparent through like some support conversations and you're like oh that's what mm. yeah but they also have a sort of mentality of well no things here are great because this is all I've ever known yeah. so just like this internalized, is, oh, this, is cool. this is fine and yeah. like the more they talk that way the more you're like, oh this is so completely fucked that yeah. you even I mean, understandable well, that you feel this way. Understandable that you have rationalized. Not even <laughs> rationalized. You don't know any better. But, mm-hmm. like, the fact that it is what it is, and it's like,
3: oh, shit.
2: And what I will say is there well, was,
0: everyone like... Everyone is doing their tree little voices. <laughs> there, is good, there is good payoff because of a connection with another character who has a similar background, who is able to be like, oh, actually, we can... You're able to build a positive relationship with this part of your history that is not just reduced to the vision that the church has of it. You don't just have to be – you neither have to be othered by being by being told that you associate it with it because it's your genetic heritage, nor do you have to retreat from that heritage because the church has decided that that's what enemies look like. It ends up going to a really cool place that is like – Again, part of my frustration with the way this game handles or fails to handle fails to, to foreground queerness is because it is actually trying to foreground things like race and nationality, mm. um, and and the question of borders and yeah. and what the global world looks like, or at least that's the Golden Deer perspective on that stuff. And um, again, I'm like, I, it seems like every group has someone from another place. Every group has someone from yeah. who is not just from uh
2: uh uh, it's hitting on certain beats and themes that like you won't necessarily miss just because yeah i mean emphasize differently but you get a lot of similar ideas being played with in each in each house
3: i do have a question for everybody though i enjoy the tactics game that's here somewhat but i am a little bit frustrated that first of all by the way you build bonds in combat by having people sort of uh co-locate and just operate close together, and achieve success together, Uh, that encourages you keeping units pretty tightly grouped. And the way this game is unfolding is like, it's a tactics game where basically I'm forming like a two-studo formation every single battle, where it's like, all right, uh, melee's up front, Uh ranged and mages in the back, and let's just go together as a group And just
2: maximize those affinity points and just harvest them. What I found is, like, you can do, especially if you, like, play around with some of the, like, ancillary missions, which where you grind. Like, you are going to, like, you're going to, your support stuff is just going to naturally happen enough times that, like, you don't, unless you want, like, a specific, like, grouping where it's, like, I need these two to play off one another because I want to get them to A rank because, like, they're always going to work well together just by nature of playing the game like you don't you don't have to like necessarily obsess over like if i don't okay. group everyone together i'm not going to see a bunch of stuff of the game because a lot of it will just sort of happen Naturally, There's, this there's a lot of this game. Hours in.
0: There's a lot of this game. You're going to have a lot of time for those bonds to form. By the last five story missions or so, I had capped out pretty much everyone's supports that I cared about. There were a few left that if I wanted to grind out missions and make sure that a couple of characters still maxed out their stuff, you could do it. And another note is that I actually like a lot is some characters don't have a full support string. Right. Like some characters have a C and a B and that is it. Like, listen, we yep. are not going to be A tier friends. <laughs> like, it's cool. We're going to hit B and that's going to be it. I have B friends in my life. I'm happy with them. They're, I'm happy to be in their life as a B friend. They know they don't have that A level support with me or I hope they do because it's not <laughs> like when it they certainly don't have that A plus. That A plus
2: is do they actually know? Austin, do they know? Well, they do now. Do they, think? they do now. <laughs> yeah. They do now. This is
3: this is the podcast that's gonna launch like a lot of like fear and uncertainty. Here, in here we go. Circles. Ready? It's great. I love it.
0: Would we regularly get brunch? Like, would we get, if you hit me up right now, like, let's get brunch on Sunday, you you and A plus, you there. We good. If I if you hit me up and you're like, Can we get brunch wow. on Sunday? and okay. I am like Oh, uh, Sunday.
2: Austin, cut this from the podcast.
1: Oh, boy.
0: <laughs> no, the trick is, everyone who lives in New York is at that A or A-plus tier, so it's safe. No one else. I think very know, safe. Yeah. People know that I've become so a bad friend. So basically, Rob, what
2: he's saying is that because we aren't near him, yeah. because we don't even have the opportunity to get brunch.
1: Austin, we've never gotten brunch. Lack of you proximity
2: never asked, can never Danielle, achieve that status. You never asked. You know what?
1: <gasps> now I know where we stand. <laughs> oh.
2: Um, I want to point out that uh, I recently learned this um, from uh, having a conversation with Cado about uh, recruiting from uh, our last episode. Yes. That I was like, how come that dirtbag turned incredibly good at lancing people? <laughs> uh, Sylvain. Wow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's uh-huh. very good at lancing. He is
2: indeed. Sylvain, he gets out there. Great and with just a lance. Ruthless. <laughs> but also just like. Don't leave him around too many women. You're not sure what he's going to do. He oh, sucks. Shit, but, you, so, you, so, if he's called out So I, and... so I want to point out, um, a little thing the game doesn't um, acknowledge, but is like uh, an interesting way that like systems of the game reflect like the character stuff, is that what I didn't understand is I was explaining confusion over the recruitment, recruitment system. Like I don't think it's transparent enough. I think it's handled very poorly. I think there are like so many smarter ways that recruitment could have... Interacted on a character level that would like better support what it's trying to do in this in in the the, the school system. But uh, Sylvain just, yo, recruit. He's like, I'm in. Let's go. <laughs> no question. And someone pointed out um, that only happens if you play as a woman. Oh. If you choose a woman as the your main character, you can you know you can choose uh, the at any certain game. If you're if you're a man, then there are recruitment like. Things you have to hit in order for for him to join. If you're a woman, he just joins straight up. Wow. That said, like th- I think you mentioned this, Austin, about this character. They're like, uh, and maybe Rob, you were about to point this out, but like I have like one of uh, best girls on my uh, my team, Dorothea, who is just she's out here. Yep. She wants to date. Yep. She wants to get rich, and she doesn't care how she accomplishes that. She is confident and is just ready to roll. Her supports with. Uh, him are unbelievable dress downs. Just like hell yes, just good, ruthless. Just sees just right like through him. Watching good. a man sweat and lo- lose it in front of a woman. That, like it's just, it's beautiful. Like if so you don't am curious those, what angle
3: she takes with him.
2: Well, because he immediately starts by like hitting on her, and okay. then she's like, "No, like I don't want you. I don't need you. I actually am late for a date." And I need to get the fuck out of here because I have higher standards, <laughs> and it's just like, ooh,
1: good. So ooh, like,
2: one,
3: good. uh, Dorothea, uh, maybe sexually harassing my oh professor. My God. <laughs> oh no! Um, oh,
2: you know no. what? I, I keep put it trying to. Her. She's
0: very
3: assertive. <laughs> oh, I keep no. trying to not. Like go down the romantic conversation option with the female students, but it appears yeah, to be good. unfucking avoidable with some of them. <laughs> oh wow! Like I like just tried multiple uh... ways to fend off Dorothea, and she, like she was like, "So have you thought about like maybe marrying me?" And I was like, "What, <laughs> what? dude? No, it's like full on." I was like, uh, "I was like, I don't think that would be appropriate." <laughs> And she was like, oh, so you have thought about
0: it. I'm oh, no. so flattered. No. And I'm like, wow. No. Support level what?
3: up. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so now all the conversations have this weird, like, you know, oh, you have to take care of yourself, professor. I don't know what us girls, what us girls would do. It's not good. By the way, another character who's very flirty the professor, uh, this girl Mercedes, very sweet, is, like, definitely, like, the she's got uh, mom energy mother of, yeah 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 a hundred percent yeah the dead mother of the blue lions yeah except there's this one scene where people are talking about i feel bad about the fact the church of Saros just like put all those people to death and she just sort of gave a sweet little smile and is like but that's what traitors to the church deserve ah! yikes <laughs> and i was like
1: Mercedes!
3: oh okay so it's not like you don't just go to church on Sunday, but like <laughs> you live it like you live you live it twenty four seven. But Ingrid has this conversation with uh, Sylvan, where she's like, "We've been friends forever, right?" And he's like, "You know it. You're my bestie." Oh my and god! She was like, "Have you ever stopped and considered how many times you leave me to?" comfort and console women you've completely fucked over and like smooth over the shit you've left in your wake and he was like no but it's part of our thing it's our dynamic Mm -hmm. like you know Mm -hmm. you you know you love it and she gets like super serious and just like tears into him to the point where like he breaks like the conversation ends with him basically like pleading for mercy it was so good Yeah. so I think there's multiple like it, it seems like wherever Sylvain ends up there's gonna be someone who cuts him down
0: yeah, yeah, I, just, you know, like this, this thing about the characters in Fire Emblem games is often they have one character trait, uh, and that is to their detriment. Like it's like, oh, this is the one who cares about money, and all of their supports are, here's a scheme I have to get money. This does that, but there's at least one extra twist with everybody, especially because of the time skip stuff, which I'm not going to talk about. But, like, there is a, a five-year time skip in this game. Like, that was advertised, and the way those characters change over that period of time and the, the future supports – because the thing that happens is, like, you'll get to a support level B, and then you'll have unlocked support A, but it will say – you're not ready to have this conversation yet. You'll have this conversation sometime in the future. Story events have to come to pass, basically, that unlock it. Um, and seeing, like, I, I know in my heart of hearts by the end of this game, we're all going to look back and go, Sylvain turned out to be a good guy. I don't know that because I've seen it. I haven't seen it. But we've all, we have all have a Sylvain in our fucking house. We got one person who is like, yo, I hate this motherfucker. Get him out. You know what? I'm going to turn, I'm going to make sure Permadeath is on. You're up front. Let's <laughs> just see what happens. Let's just see. Let. Oh, you want to come home? You better do good. Because I, you ain't doing good back at the monastery. You but better make sure do good you to get the battlefield. enough damage
2: in so Bernadetta can come around the corner <laughs> and, get the and like get shot. that kill. That's it. Yeah.
0: hundred percent. Um but by the end you're like, all right, Lawrence, I I did have to talk to you about constantly proposing to women for the entire game. But Lawrence does wait, look like boy? a character that would do that. That's what he does. Yeah, yeah, with the hair. So Lawrence is so there's yeah. three nobles, right? Fire Emblem Three Nobles. There's Lawrence. I mean, there's a bunch of nobles, but Lawrence, Sylvain, and Ferdinand. Ferdinand is all the way up his ass about being a noble. Sylvain is all the way up his ass about being a a, a fucking pickup artist. Lorenz is like, what if best of both worlds? What if two two great tastes taste great together? (laughs) And so he is like a womanizer, not in the sense that he's just trying to like get some. He's not Sylvain who is just like bouncing from girl to girl. He is like, I am here at Garrig Mach to find my life mate, to continue my genetic lineage as a true noble of the Leicester Alliance. And I'm like, You have to sit down. (laughs) Sir, this is, Garrett, this is a monastery. (laughs) Please shut the fuck up. You are bad. Uh, And, like, that is a lot of your support character, your support conversations with Lawrence is straight up being like, hey, the women in this house are coming to me and saying you're a problem. You are being a problem. And him being like, no, no, you don't understand the way things work in the Leicester Alliance. And you'd be like, no, I extremely understand. You are a problem. And that is the arc of that character to where you know by the end of that game you're like all right i don't hate that you're here you've you have grown and changed you are treating people with respect your arc is no longer just about you wanting to find a wife. Um, you do still look – stop wearing that rose everywhere. It is not – you do not pull
2: it off, in fact. Uh, <laughs> um, but I appreciate find someone it. to give that rose to, just like your heart, <laughs> Just Lorenz.
0: like I do. Like Him wearing a rose was great because it always reminded me when it was time to give him gifts to raise his motivation, he liked roses twice wow. as much. Here you go. Oh, Here was a is a rose every week. Got to get your motivation up before class time.
2: Ugh. Yeah, don't give flowers. Only have tea time and then screw up the entire conversation. Oh, did you do that? Don't My do My favorite mini game. Tea like, time. Well, no. I don't think there's a... there's a. So often when the game gives you the the, the option to have tea time, like someone approaches you and is like, have tea time or give flowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There doesn't so seem to birthday. be a reason to not do tea time. Right. Because flowers will only give you, unless they have a flower affinity, it'll only give you plus one. You can either get one, plus one support or plus two support, right? I think. And you're only gonna get usually plus one with flowers. Whereas the tea time, even if you fail, you still get plus one. Yep. But you have the opportunity to get mm. more and also <laughs> feel extremely uncomfortable because you have failed at having like normal conversation. <laughs> but like the, the the game sets you up to, to fail because it like gives you three options, but no indication of like you gotta what know the who they are. To talk you gotta about. know so who like, they are. Hey so do you want to chat about uh flowers? Nope. Cool. Do you want to chat about um, the war? Turns out you two don't have anything to talk about, and then the game takes like thirty seconds to just like let you stew in in your inability to have idle conversation. By the end of the game, but then at the end they still say liked having time with you plus one Plus, just was, like you should do it every time
0: there were snacks I guess
1: yeah there was tea there
0: was tea there were some some crumpets or whatever <laughs> uh, by the end of the game you know your crew enough to be like I'm gonna ace this sure Manuela wants to well, talk no, about the opera you about the, the big city
2: in like
0: your right yeah also Manuela is good I just wanna put that out there that's of the she's great she's great I'm with you Rob She's great. She knows the world. She's seen things.
3: She's here to teach. She's here to show I love Garrick Mock Mrs. Kerbopel. That's
0: exactly who she is. 100%. <laughs> yeah. God,
3: By the no, way, I also love tweet. how large the opera looms yeah. in this. Like Cuz like, Dorothea also is... from the opera, right? Oh. Yeah, they're like she and Manuela both like former divas. Right. And like uh... doing the classic like 18th century diva thing, which is being transparently transactional and self interested and like gleefully so. Hell yeah! And it's awesome. I love it. (laughs) They they rule. What is it like? This is the stuff. When I when I talked a few weeks ago
0: about this game and was kind of saying that like, hey, there's a lot of systems here. Some of them are going to fade in the back for you. You don't have to pay. You don't have to be efficient. With everything, it is not a game that is trying to force you to find the perfect. It's like the opposite of Into the Breach. Sure, there is there. Sure, there is a perfect play on the battlefield, off the battlefield. Sure, you could be the most efficient player. Um, And I think like some of the obsession with making sure you recruit as many people as possible kind of pushes you in that direction. But my advice for people playing this game is to sort of let it wash over you. Pay attention to the parts that you care about. Uh, Find the characters who you do want to recruit. Don't try to recruit everybody because. The recruitment stuff is really clearly there to be like a fun thing you can do in New Game Plus as you change houses yeah, or whatever. Just, yeah,
2: you, you can just let all this stuff have wash fun away and yeah. just go down the main line of like what's happening, and you'll pick up stuff. Like it's just you don't have to worry about leveling. Yeah, you don't have to, don't stress over like what when someone comes to you and says they want to specialize, just accept the specialization and just don't worry about like reclassing people, like because the game is funneling you in a direction that like you'll be okay. Unless like, like me, you like there that. Are other stuff. ways you can do. In in which right. case it gives you plenty of room to be like, ooh, okay, I like
0: you had the thing earlier where like I want to get burned down on a horse, right? And maybe she is going right. to have a special thing that gives her like the horse specialization, but then later she'll be like, oh, but what if instead I, I should become a sniper who's on the ground? At that point you'll be at the point where you're like, hmm, you know what? Let's go with the horse horse archer still focus, um, and like and it does that stuff very lightly, like you said, like through dialogue boxes. So if you don't want to dig super deep into the menus, you can just go through the dialogue boxes. But if you do want mm-hmm. to. Have for instance, what is basically a handwritten spreadsheet. You could do that if you're me, yeah. uh, um, But like, don't don't try not to fret about it. The game is not so difficult that it is forces you to do that. You don't have to feel like you're making bad choices, even when you do make a bad choice. It's stuff okay. there is for a reason. Yeah, totally.
2: Like I feel like lots of other games that have automated systems, you don't trust them because you shouldn't trust them. But the points in this game, especially like the social stuff, if you don't want to individually teach your students little bits like it's fine. Like the game will push you in the right direction and you'll have like a crew that can wreck on through things like just fine. Like I, I think the game does a poor job of surfacing what you should and shouldn't pay attention to based yeah. on what your priorities are. And so you have to do a lot of work asking people looking at forums, ask looking at Twitter to be like, okay, this is what I want to do. Now, how do I structure the game to do it? And it gives you all the tools but it doesn't do enough of it in-game to, to, to let you make those decisions without feeling like, ah, I've screwed it up, and I'm, I'm never going to recover.
3: I think there's also something for the fact that the thing that, is, that Yeah, that dynamic has taken me a while to adjust to, because there's a kind of looseness to the JRPG-inflected tactics game that is a little bit counter to what you've come to expect from games that really pull from the hymnal of Sid Meier and Firaxis, where like every decision must have a clear trade-off. If you are building towards something, there sure as hell is probably an ideal theory-crafted outcome that you should be getting to. And if you do not get to that, you are building inefficiently. Mm -hmm. And what that often can lead to is games that feel uh, very swingy, uh, very fussy and like kind of frustrating to play because you always feel like maybe there's a bit of a wrong answer, but also you end up with games full of really hard counters, really clear matchups that are supposed to happen. That, this is from a different sort of uh, tactics and strategy uh, design paradigm. And honestly, I find it kind of a relief realizing that my game is not going to hinge on the, on whether or not, I turn Dedue into the best, like, heavy armored uh, death machine that he could be, right? He could be something else, and the game will be fine. Like, going against type, it, you can do that, and it will work out. And that's not something that, for instance, if your frame of reference is XCOM, that's just not how that thing totally. is built.
0: Totally. I mean, like, they want you to, to multi-class in a way. Or they, they, they encourage you to explore multi-classing. I had a character named Ignaz who has, like, big glasses. He wants to be a painter. He has my favorite line in the game, by the way, which is, like, he is this, like, you know, wilting flower, like, very scared of the world, very, like... I I don't think I can I couldn't be a painter because a painter isn't very manly and I have to become a big manly knight and like Egnots, that's just not who you are homie it's Aww. okay yeah. like you you don't need to be that you're allowed to be let a me painter. tell you about Lord
3: Byron's son there, yeah
0: oh. exactly well so his, his whole all of his arcs are like I want to be a painter and also also kind of like I'm weirdly in love with like saints, he has like a deep.
1: He's a saintly painter. He
0: well, no, he wants Wait. to fuck lady saints. That's kind of his like Wait. thing. And he's
1: into saints. He's into saints. Okay, I like gotcha. this
0: less now. Uh, but he's he's the son of a He's like a very tragic history. It's good. It's he's fine. The thing I like about him is that when he crits. He who again is like Norman, he's like, oh, I'm sorry I killed you. Oh no, I'm did my bow did my arrow split your skull? I'm so sorry. Ah. But when he crits, he goes, let me paint you a picture. Oh. And it's like, yo, that's right, Ignaz, let's go. Let's get it.
1: Paint with your blood. Yeah.
0: And Woo! he like, oh. So he's great. And I made him a dark mage. Um, because he is like a he is like a very quiet, like secret skill at dark magic. Um, I ended up building him down that line, but then bringing him back into like uh, assassins and sniping and swords because one of the dark mage abilities that you learn when you max out a, a class is damn is like a little extra damage over time or like damage it's like a poison. It's like you do your damage and you get a little extra damage after the blow is done, uh, and you can carry that from class to class. Uh, and that was like, oh wow, like I've ended- even though he's jumped from. Archer to close up, you know, melee fighter to mage. And by the end of the game, he was still a tool that I could bring to bear that was useful, hmm. even in situations that were not necessarily like, um, again, where, where, where he wasn't the optimal tool. He was still a tool I liked to bring out of the toolbox. I think to your point, Rob, it's less about like, here are my perfect tools for every specific job. And it's more about having a, a pretty varied toolbox so that when it's time to do archery damage or time to do magic damage, you have enough things at your disposal to bring them into into function. Mm. Whereas it's it's not like X comments like we need someone with a shotgun right now. You know, one person needs to show up. And it it's thank God we've built and to be that person. <laughs> because if we didn't, without that guy, we'd be fucked. It's way more just like, okay, what do I have at hand? How do I apply it to the situation? You're right. It is it is it is a relief. I don't want all tactics schemes to be like this, but it is nice to have one where that is
3: the way we play. Well, and also all their outfits look different for classes. That's <laughs> the true. other, it's God true. help me, I can't stop multi-classing these kids because I'm just curious, like, <laughs> so what would, uh, like, let, let's say, what would Lorenzo's take on a soldier be? I'm just curious, just curious. what that looks like. If you made him hey, get in the mud like, instead of be up on his fucking high horse all the time
0: or in his high hat.
3: Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Like, look, Ingrid came here to wanted to be a knight, but... I actually think she'd make a pretty good dark mage. Let's see. <laughs> let's let's see. see how that comes across. Yeah, and like it's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, we could go on forever with Fire Emblem, and I think yes. once you, once you two finish this game, we should do a spoiler cast. But I I might hold off on playing the game again because I want to just be able to maybe we'll see we'll we'll see if I yeah. can. It's really good, that, and so I do want to play as Blue Lions. I do want to play as Black Eagles, but I think it would be a fun concept to come to the table with just one house each and we could compare notes because I do know that there is like big differentiation between the three houses and and kind of what happens oh. um, Danielle I really need to know if you did join where would you go here which, which, maybe well, I've been need thinking to about it this whole time okay honestly okay
1: uh, you know I feel like I'd be leaning towards the golden deer welcome just just based on how much fun you yeah. had. I, and you also know the whole story. I do. So, like...
0: I think Golden Deer is... Uh, is sounds I, pretty great. Oh, there There is cool stuff for everybody. I'm so curious about Blue Lion. I have a better idea about what happens with Black Eagle. But for, for Golden Deer, Blue Lion shows up super brief in the back half of this game. And then moved, the story just... Your camera isn't focused there. Your camera's somewhere else. So, I am so curious about what the deal is with Dimitri. Mm-hmm. I do want to know if he's a Marlo Stanfield figure who is just, like, secretly, like, my name is my name
3: out there. You know, body well, Also, weird that he's the only survivor of the yeah. attack that like installed mm. him on the, Like nobody huh. else, just just Dimitri. Wow, mm. wow. Curious. He doesn't like to talk about it. Doesn't like to tell you exactly what went down. Fuck. Obviously, understandable trauma, but also <laughs> is maybe oh. he not want to give too much detail. Fuck.
1: Who could say?
0: Who could say? I will say my boy to do does show up at various points in Golden Deer. I left feeling like real strong about to do. To do seems like a real one. To do seems cool. So shout outs to to do. Shout outs to all of the good characters of Fire Emblem Three Houses. Yeah, Danielle, welcome to Golden Deer. Thank I, you. I appreciate you. So here, here's you. We can't give you a signing bonus. Uh It's collegiate, so I can't really. There's no money involved. Well, uh, oh. Well.
1: Hey, Golden I was Deer a Division Three athlete. Okay. Oh shit yeah, we would. <laughs> That's true. Golden
3: f- Deer is absolutely like the unethical boosters house of the like. Damn, why do they just keep getting the best troops? Yeah, because we we like, think hey, that the rule about not
2: hey, But do you want to? Do you want a nice new carriage to get you around? Yeah. You just- we just have We one. have one on You head. joke, but I
1: was one. a Division 3 athlete. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. That's what
2: there I'm saying. There were
1: things. There were things. <laughs> there were things for real real.
0: Exactly. Well, welcome <laughs> aboard. We have great equipment for you, Wing. Sounds good. We, new uniforms? You, new uniforms. Yeah. And also we just want to make sure that you look you have to represent the Golden Deer name and the brand. And so we just new clothes in general, whole new wardrobe oh, was provided. Uh it's not a gift. And it's not payment. Right. It is also a uniform uh, because right. we think of you as an ambassador for the Golden Deer house. Uh, and so we just need to make sure you're kind of always on, on field, off field. Right. You know, battlefield, on battlefield, off battlefield. You right. got to represent. So, yeah, always. So we got you that. And also, don't worry about food. We got that taken care of. Also, just to make sure you're strong. Uh, yeah. if, you, if you could have like six dinners a week with the, all your trainers to raise that support, that would be cool. great. My personal chef, your personal, also a personal chef. Uh, Sounds good. Uh, and that's yeah, totally. And if I you was ever a golden
1: need, bear, actually, a golden bear. Now that we're talking wow. about, it, I'm like, actually, I really actually this is, was. This is resonating. It was a golden bear. It's very funny. <laughs>
0: We'll continue to check in on Fire Emblem. We'll continue to check in on everything else. Uh, if you have questions, if you want to ask us questions about Fire Emblem as we continue, you can send them to gaming at vice.com. Thank you, as always, to Bowen for the track Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Find out more about that at waypoint.zone uh, slash B O E N. Follow everything we do at waypoint.vice.com or at twitter.com slash waypoint. Follow me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Danielle, where can people find you?
1: You can find me and my golden bear thoughts at Danielle R I.
0: Patrick uh, and Bernadetta, where, where can people find <laughs> you on Twitter? <laughs> you can find our heart of darkness at Patrick. <laughs> Good. And Rob Zachney, who I've not called a cop, but others have. How about you?
3: <laughs> I think it's less about being a cop than it is about singing the blues. Mm, oh, True. Wow. You can find me doing that at Rob Zachney on Twitter. <laughs> Thank you all. Insert Kirk Hamilton's saxophone. Oh, my God. Oh. That Kirk.
0: Oh, my God. It's so good. Kirk uh, Hamilton identified a little moment in the pre-battle music that has this great little, like, hand clap in it. And it's just a good little loop. Uh, and so he, like, brought that loop out and looped it, like, 50 times. And then it was like, you know what this needs – It needs me playing saxophone. And so he recorded himself doing a sax solo. He was right. It's great. That music is great. The battle music somehow that you hear a thousand times is great. I will say that battle music does eventually change. Uh, There's that moment like 45 seconds in where it builds and then there's this amazing drop. It's so good. Uh, These are the things I like about Fire Emblem a lot. You're going to need to play it. You're going to need to. I think by the time this goes live, actually, there will be an article, by the way, up on the site by Todd Harper about the way Fire Emblem is a series and Three Houses specifically handles queerness. Mm. So shout outs to that. I don't know the headline yet because we haven't decided it (laughs) uh, at the time of this recording. But go read that uh, and come to the site for everything else we got. Uh, We'll be back next week for more. Until then, that is going to do it for us.
1: Be good and be good at it.
0: Peace. Peace.